0: Hey strangers, welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. If you're new here, I'm Krista, with me is Kurt. Hi guys. If you're new to our YouTube channel, you're probably wondering who we are. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should introduce ourselves in a a very brief way. You go first. Uh, So Kurt and I (laughs) met 16 or 17 years ago. Dang, I know, in our um, paranormal investigation group and... We became good friends, and our love of all things strange turned into a podcast. And we're in the very end of season seven now. Yeah, the very we end thought of season seven. Yeah, it's crazy. We, thought, we
1: thought nobody would ever listen. And Nope.
0: Um, And if you've been listening to us, you've probably heard us talking about how we've been wanting to do a full-length video episode. So we're calling this an experiment. Yeah, very, very We don't very know how this is going to go. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> I'm not sure the battery is going to make it. Two plus hours.
1: No, and we are both not in top Exhausted. form today. Krista could not sleep last night. I woke up at
0: 1.30 and I've been awake since.
1: I worked at the factory and by the time I got home and got to bed it was eleven o'clock and then I was up at five thirty, jumped in my car and came down here, so I am still half asleep. And he just woke up. Yeah. So it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be our, our breakout episode, no, that's for sure. But this is
0: not gonna go viral. No, we, we apologize <laughs> for that. I should also quickly say Hey, guys, instead of leaving a comment on how annoying the first 20 minutes are, if you're new here, (laughs) just look in the show notes. Yes. I see people doing this. I don't know where they're going to be. I think they're going to be down here. (laughs) We're going to post the timestamp of the actual topic start. I'll have to do it this time. Um, So skip ahead. We won't be offended. I'm offended by people who complain about the first 20 minutes without realizing we give you a tool to skip over that
1: yeah and i love that a lot of our listeners are like they used to hate the first 20 minutes and then they started listening to it and now it's like their favorite favorite part part. episode because they get to
0: do we have a taste test
1: we do okay we do is it gross i don't think so okay i think it's we only have one taste test but definitely go to the time prompt That you're going to see in the show notes because I have a feeling today's housekeeping is going to be long. And I think our titillating 20 is going to go to titillating 25. Yeah. Because we we have packages to open. We have stuff to do and we have a lot to talk about. So I'm going to actually jump right into that. Give her. Uh, Shout outs to our newest strangers. And those are, I think it's Josie. Josie Cadu. I I believe she's French from France. Cadu. And Kelly Finley, who I believe is from England, which is awesome. Sweet. And my students, Clara and Brenna, I have your caps here. And I will remember to bring them this time. Uh, but I'll make
0: sure this time. A
1: special shout out to Clara because I felt bad because she was one of several people that messaged me after the last episode and were like, that last story was really scary <laughs> with the phone calls. Oh, yeah. That was really creepy. Uh, Lo- uh, Logan, yeah. Logan oh, messaged Logan me. B. She said that uh, she was going to... She was listening to it in her car, and she wanted to call her boyfriend and have her boyfriend walk her to the house from the car because it creeped her out. So yeah, uh, Clara, was, wa- really Clara was listening to it in her bedroom and said she didn't know her sister had come in the bedroom. And poor Clara oh was so freaked. So Clara, sorry. Sorry, it was so scary. But that got me thinking. Like last night I was thinking about this, and I think next season what I want to do Is at the beginning of the episodes, I'm going to have a creep factor rating.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Where today's episode is going to be probably out of five, 1.5 because it's it's not not that creepy. creepy. But there are some creepier stories at the end because I have some Reddit stories. Oh, nice. Because I did have a whole second story that I was going to use in a previous episode, but pulled out of that episode. And I'm pulling it out of this episode too. Because I want to do that story justice, and I think if we were to have a Christmas episode, that's maybe where I do that that story.
0: I don't see it happening.
1: No, I don't see it happening either. But uh, so I do like the creep factor because it gives them an idea. Like last episode would have been probably been five because you actually get to listen to the creepy phone calls. Oh yeah. So I think next that season, took it to the next level. Next season we're going to. I'm going at the beginning of the episodes. I will say. A rating of how creepy that episode will well, be, just so you guys know. Because hopefully
0: that'll remind us to say if it's not suitable for strange yes. things. Yeah. This one, I think, is suitable for Strangelings, I think. I mean, there's nothing overly gruesome or...
1: No, 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 no. This okay. one is perfectly suitable for them. And this one will probably be boring for Strangelings because there's nothing like yeah paranormal. Well, yeah. But I also want to thank the people that took time to message me after the last episode about our little video because I got so many messages oh. saying how skinny I <laughs> yeah. looked. Everybody... I, I really appreciate that everybody was like, are you okay? And the truth is, I don't know. I mean, I've lost a lot of weight, but I haven't been to the doctor in five years now. And now with the new job, when my insurance kicks in, I'm going to go.
0: When does your insurance kick in? Next month. Okay.
1: But the hypochondriac in me thinks something is wrong. But I've also, it's been... You've just gone through a lot of changes. Yeah, if you guys know... You guys that know me know the last couple weeks have been rough. I'm not in a good place physically. I'm not in a good place mentally. I'm really not eating as much as usual. And another thing I want to do when I get my insurance is talk to, like, a counselor. And maybe I fought this for the longest time, but look into medication for depression slash anxiety because it's getting bad. So I just really appreciate all the people that cared enough to... See if I was okay. Because even when I saw the video, I was like, Holy crap, I'm like, I got skinny. Mm-hmm. You know. So I wish I could say that.
0: So, so. I um I, I doubt that it's medical, like there's something physiologically wrong with you, like medically. Like I'm pretty sure you don't have cancer. But <laughs> I, I mean, mental health is something that absolutely yes. needs because to be. Because it's taken bad. Care of like address. I've never had like
1: bouts of just random crying yeah. when I'm driving. So I gotta get I gotta look into doing something. But that being said, there is something coming up that we're excited about yeah. and that we're happy we're gonna be about. We're going to be super vague about it, though. We're going to be vague about it. Because um, we're paranoid. Yeah, because we're paranoid. <laughs> but I was laying on my couch one day, scrolling through Facebook, and something popped up. And I'm like, I should run this by Krista. So I sent it to you, and you're like, yeah. And... Uh, so, because you guys are amazing our our coffee subscribers or yeah. kofi or whatever coffee. it's called kofi it's like we love that you guys this is basically because of you guys giving mm-hmm. us money for this, so there is an area somewhere around us that is supposedly very haunted we're we're trying to be vague, yeah that is haunted, that you can rent and we're going to do that sometime over break, December into the end of January. Sometime over break, for the first time in over 10 years, I believe, we're going to actually be doing a ghost investigation. A formal investigation. A f- a f- a actual formal ghost investigation. Not a
0: tour. Nope. We're going to actually have an p- entire building yeah, to and ourselves. Yeah, we're stupidly excited about for this. For eight hours.
1: And the thing is, you could bring seven people. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it is going to be... Myself, Krista, Krista's fearless husband Jim. See uh, how fearless he
0: is.
1: (laughs) Mark and Rhonda, who were here just recently for the JFK prep uh, and St. Nazian's episodes.
0: And it's not that's not what we're investigating, by the way. No, that is not what we're (laughs)
1: investigating. So it's you, me, Jim, Mark, and Rhonda, and we've mentioned her a ton of times on the show. And she says she thinks she's going to be able to make it. Our good friend, Barry. Bear, bear. Who we absolutely love to death.
0: I cannot wait to see her. I know.
1: It's been so long since. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you guys over break might get to hear Barry. Uh, that's oh, yeah. A little extra a little, something. A little too. extra something. And last and definitely not least, not and least. I, I love, I think this is so cool. You guys have heard him because he's left us voicemails. He has sent us stuff. We will be joined by our stranger and our friend, Coleman. Our, so excited. Our listener, Coleman, will be joining us. And yeah, we're excited. We're talking about, you know, we want to do, obviously, the Estes method. Uh, we want to do...
0: We need some equipment. <laughs> we need, we're, yeah, we're looking at getting more uh, equipment. I better start ordering stuff because um, it's zooming in on know, us. You know, we kind of
1: want to do some, like, uh, destination fear stuff. That's what the show's called, right?
0: Um, well it's called Project Fear Now okay. on YouTube.
1: Where, you know, like the majority of us will be on on one of the levels doing an E V P circle, but two people will be going solo to different floors to investigate. So we have all sorts of stuff that we want to do and I'm we're ordering just ordering an ovulus. They're Very expensive. About they're that. expensive.
0: I'm gonna use the podcast money because okay. I we have another potential investigation. Um I don't want to say where that one is either. (laughs) We'll tell you Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll probably be um, next year sometime. We'll
1: see. So we want to get back into investigating and- But we can
0: use it for the podcast. That's the thing is that
1: shortly after the season finale, which is our next episode, doesn't necessarily mean it's the last episode, but it's a season finale- Shortly after that, I'm going to release, like I do every year, the poll in The Strangers, where they get to pick what the first episode's topic will be for next season. And then I believe the second episode will be about our investigation.
2: Cool.
1: And uh, I kind of have like the first 10 episodes already kind of sketched out. But Blaine is going to be joining us, I believe. I would love to get Tobias here.
0: Yes. You that know, would be amazing.
1: Uh, Brittany Zahn wants to come on because she yep. hasn't been on. Uh, Devin wants to come back. So we're trying to get, and Aaron and I want to do another road trip where we record it. Like we I want to
0: do Whitewater, though.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I definitely want to do Whitewater. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're planning stuff out for next season. I think we're going to try to do video. All next season, too? I think so. Uh Including I gotta,
0: the side sessions, I
1: gotta, like everything. Oh, wow, really? I know. I got to try to get away from reading. This one today is a lot of reading. So you guys that are watching us on YouTube will be watching me read and watching Krista probably <laughs> fall asleep.
0: See... <laughs> so this to will be... see my point of view through the whole episode. Yeah. Now, I no. think next season, we're going to try to be more conversational about yes, it since we're we, going to be doing video.
1: We are stupidly excited about the our upcoming ghost investigation. Yeah. Uh, as, like I just said, there's a break coming. Our season... Our, break is coming our holiday break mm-hmm. which i need badly um
0: even i need it and i don't do much work and this, this
1: popped in my head the other day i was listening i've been listening to the astonishing legends podcast and something that i've actually been getting kind of really fascinated with is remote viewing mm. and they do had do an
0: episode on yes okay they had
1: an interview with a lady that teaches courses And they were talking, like the guys that host Astonishing Legends were amazed at how accurate they did for like the free, they have like a free session, a free lesson. And they were amazed at how good they did. And they talked about like how they do it, like how they go into doing it and stuff. And what I want to do, this isn't remote viewing technically, it's more almost telepathy. But what I want to do over break, and maybe not like every week, but like occasionally what I would like to do is go into The Stranger's. And say, at this time on Sunday, I will be driving someplace in Manitowoc or, if it's super cold, looking at something on my computer for like 15 minutes. I will be looking at something. Mm. And any anybody that wants to try to see if they can pick up what I'm looking at, it will be an experiment. Okay. And I wanted I want you to do it too. Okay. Like I might be s I might be standing somewhere looking at a bicycle. Sure. And then I wanna see if people can tune in and get vibes of what I'm looking at. And then put it say what their guesses are. I like and that. And I wanna see if anybody can I just want to see how it works. Yep. I want to see how it works. So it'll be a fun little like psychic experiment. I
0: think the Newkirks did some experimenting with remote music. I love
1: that one of our listeners said that they they laughed at how our the tone and our <laughs> voice changes from talking about Zach Bagans, Zach Bagans
2: to so when we Newkirks. go to the
1: Newkirks. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, guilty as charged, I
0: guess. 100%. And oh, shoot, who said that they... Martinez. What is his name? Right? Anthony? Martin? Is it Anthony Martinez? Brian? No. Hi, Brian. <laughs> um no it was uh, i think on facebook he has an extra signed copy oh of yeah, something of from the, them the it's Kirk's. anthony martinez yes. yes and he is going to send it to us because he knows we're big fans i yeah. thought that was very sweet so thank yeah. you anthony
1: that is awesome thank you and the only other thing I have is that I did manage to get into our, our Gmail with our <laughs> listener stories, nice. and we do have a listener story in there oh. that I will read towards the end of this episode. Cool. This so I think be a we long could, episode. It is. Could we? Should we? We actually have three episodes to do today too. Packages. Should we do packages first or taste test first? Let's do taste test first. Okay. It's it's going to be a, a a very easy one.
0: Okay. No glasses are needed. No cups. I could get ready to take a picture.
1: Again, it's from David Bond. So I love how so secretive much.
0: Kurt is about it. He like kind yeah. Hides I don't want it. you to.
1: I don't want you to <laughs> see what it is. Thank you, oh, David, for sending us. He he was excited for us to try this. I'm excited. He to He sent try the this.
0: halva, and that made my day. Yeah. So uh,
1: there is another halva. He sent like a vanilla one too, but I'm gonna nice. have that one. Corey's here, so oh, Corey good. can try the halva. Yeah. But he really wanted us to try these. I'm convinced that I'm gonna love them because I saw one of the ingredients already, and I can tell you the ingredient is soy sauce, and I love Ooh, soy sauce. I do too. It is Ooh, Japanese crunchy. style peanuts. Interesting. Yeah, so I am excited to try it. Like I love soy sauce. Like, oh boy.
0: I do too. <sighs> Anytime we order Chinese, I have to I always have to add soy yeah. sauce to it. Okay.
1: So it is Japanese style peanuts. Let's I think they're how gonna I be good.
0: Can struggle with this. There's usually like a little notch, of course. Not this time.
1: I do have a scary taste test at home, but I think I'm going to save that for when Corey is here. Yeah. Because Corey's generally pretty brave about that. Yeah. But yeah Stuff that Corey makes us be... want to
0: puke, Corey's like,
1: eh. Yeah. <laughs> like he it. will be joining us. It's kind of tradition now that he joins us for the season finale and the potential Christmas episode. The alleged Christmas episode. The alleged episode. Christmas episode.
0: Hmm. They don't smell very soy saucy. Whoa. I did see that was one of the ingredients, though. Soy saucy. i got to take a picture. I'll be honest, some of this probably doesn't translate very well to video. Neither do we. That's very true.
1: It'll be nice when we're recording our investigation, because you will probably be able to hear... How's that? (laughs) You'll probably be able to hear in real time, like, the disappointment when Coleman realizes we're just a couple of schlubs.
0: Oh, 100%. (laughs) These are the people.
1: So these are Kurt and Krista. Okay, ready? I am ready.
0: Oh. Whoa. Whoa. I wasn't expecting it to be so crunchy. No. They're it's, good. It's, yeah, they're delicious. Are they, like, fried?
1: They, they taste fried.
0: Because the outside is, like, way crunchier, and the yeah. inside is, like, softer. Sorry, this is just so annoying.
1: Oh, that's got, that's got, like, a little kick to it. Or is that just me?
0: Mm. I don't taste spice.
1: Oh, I get a little they're bit really of spice. Good, they are really good. Um, mm. I would give that an 8 out of 10.
0: I'm giving it a 9. It's not very soy saucy. No. <laughs> soy saucy.
1: But they're really good.
0: Mm-hmm. They are really good.
1: People with hate my, it when
0: we chew with, into the microphone. I know,
1: but I'm trying not to chew because of my teeth. I don't want my teeth to break. No, <laughs> so that'd be bad. I'm going to suck on mine for a while. Do we have... That was our only taste test. That was our only taste test. We have some saved for next week. Uh, I'm almost done. That's going to be really loud into the microphone.
0: I'd be so annoyed if I were them. Should we open that?
1: This that's this is the one that Easton that uh, that Easton Easton we we, he put another print in there. Use your words. Yeah, (laughs) words are (laughs) hard. Like I said, today is not going to (laughs) be. If this is your first time listening, we're probably Sorry. we're probably usually better than this. We are both. Oh, well, yeah.
0: You usually just don't have to watch us. Yeah. So maybe that makes it more entertaining. We talked about Easton in the last episode, though. Did you see how I opened that? That was perfect. Lickety split.
1: I'm impressed. Ooh, okay. I'm excited.
0: So we have a sticker. Yay. Or something. A decal? A sticker? What does it say? Moth Boys. Moth
1: Boys. It's a comedy podcast on cryptids, conspiracies, and the unknown.
0: Ooh. Oh, that's from Easton. From Easton.
1: Checked out the show after getting the gift order for you guys. Love your format and choice on topics. Keep it up. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Easton. Uh, let me see that. That is, is cool. Is
0: that? Oh, sweet. That's cool. Thank I don't you, know how Easton. how well you're going to be able to see that. That's creepy, actually. That is. I wouldn't want to see that.
1: It's like half in shadow.
0: Okay, ready? Ready. If I can do this without. Oh, this is scary. Yeah, don't tear it. The pressure is real. Oh, my God. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's, like, stuck. <laughs> there's so many jokes in there. Okay, yeah. Do you want to pull the old? Oh, there we go. Got Team it. Teamwork makes Dreamwork. dream work. There's more in there. Okay, oh, stickers. <gasps> more stickers? We love Stickers. A note from your gift giver. Merry Christmas from Jeremy R. Thank, Thank you, you Jeremy. Jeremy R. We've gotten so many things from him. This is very cool. Okay, we got Mothman. Mothman. Um, Moth Boys again. Oh, that's the podcast. Yeah, That's really cool. I'll have to check that out. Is that his podcast? Like I, don't Easton's know. podcast? I don't know. Hmm. That's a cool name, by the way. It is. Easton. All right, let's check this out. Oh, there's two things. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's look at it first. The Mothman. Ugh. That is cool. That is so cool. Oh my gosh.
1: That's going to look perfect. Okay,
0: I got to get this stuff framed. Here, do you want to hold the bottom? Sorry. <laughs> this is so terrible. Thank you. Much better. The Mothman, the colors West are Virginia. so cool. Yeah. Yup, yup, yup. I love it. That's amazing. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> that is awesome. Kentucky, Kentucky
1: goblins. goblins. These are awesome.
0: So this is straight out of uh, the uh, Hellier, well, right? It's all,
1: and the episode we did about the oh, what was the name of the town? The
0: colors of these are incredible.
1: What well, Hopkinsville Goblins? Remember where they would do the backflip after getting shot? Oh yeah, they would do that's the right. Flip. These are so cool. I love this so much. Thank you so much.
0: Look at all like the little eyes in the I know, trees and stuff. I know. I'll have to figure out a way to take a picture of these.
1: But yeah, we gotta start framing it. stuff. Thank you so much, Jeremy, and thank you so much, Easton.
0: Well, Jim and I are going to renovate this room.
1: And we have that one.
0: Isn't that for next week?
1: No. Uh, no. The, this one is for next oh, week. Oh,
0: okay. Is this also from Jeremy? Yes. Jeremy.
1: Thank My you, Jeremy. Goodness. Thank you, Easton. Those are awesome.
0: I'm gonna struggle with this one, I can just tell. Those prints are so cool. They are amazing. He's very talented. He has a um Instagram. I wish I page. had some kind of talent. What about podcasting? Yeah, that's questionable. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: questionable at best. <laughs>
0: well, you're you're way better at it than I am.
1: I can't believe we're over two hundred and fifty thousand downloads. That's a quarter of a million downloads. That's only for the last, s- last two, two years.
0: years. We've been doing this since what, twenty seventeen? Yeah. So if we had all of that data, I think we'd be a little terrified, honestly. We got this a note. is cute.
1: This is cute. I will let you unwrap that.
0: Okay. We're very the note t- says, Merry Christmas space.
1: from Jeremy R. A note from your gift giver.
0: He's the best. So another Etsy purchase. Yes. We're also hoping to rearrange a little so that we aren't... Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to be sitting directly next to each other, but it's just very... It's, just, it's weird. Intimate. <laughs>
1: no, I don't Intimate.
0: So I wonder who the creator is of this. Like I'd like to. It's an artist. Etsy. It's from Etsy. Does it say who the um, artist is? Oh my gosh.
1: Oh, is this Easton? Is this well, Easton? Is too? that the
0: one you just grabbed?
1: I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. <gasps> oh. Oh my gosh. Swinkies. Swinkies. This might be okay. Swinkies.
2: Look at this.
1: Oh, what is that?
0: Adorable. It is a little moth van holding like a little plushy Yeti. Oh my God. <laughs> that is. And so... a Bigfoot. And what do you think that is? Loch Ness is? Monster. Loch Ness Monster.
1: Oh my god! This gosh. is so cute.
0: That is adorable.
1: <coughs> I'm choking on my Japanese well peanut. You think they... <laughs> Probably not really well. This is so we'll cute. We'll take a really good picture of that. This is so cute. I want True. this. This is so That's cute.
0: Adorable. I gotta take a picture of that.
1: Jeremy, thank you so much. I'm
0: gonna set it there. He can stand next to our um Willie. <laughs> no, our why is everything funny to me to say? Our, <laughs> our Phoenix our
1: Phoenix lights. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, <laughs> Fresno Nightcrawler.
0: Fresno Nightcrawler. <laughs> oh my god. It was, it was like I we am we not firing <laughs> <laughs> for a second. Charades. <laughs> I'm not firing on all cylinders today, no. people.
1: Again, we apologize for the quality oh, have of two this to episode.
0: Start. Okay.
1: This is so cute. These are awesome. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Those are adorable. uh we love you, Jeremy. We need to have him join us on an investigation too. Maybe that'll be our. He's our not thing. local though, right? No.
0: We'll work it out.
1: <laughs> we'll, once okay. once that once that big bucks podcast money starts coming in, we'll fly <laughs> this him. Videos.
0: What's gonna <laughs> spark it all? This will. This is. Yeah. They'll pay us to never release another video. <laughs> yeah. Here's a YouTube million YouTube will be like. Here's a million dollars. Shut up. Do...
1: Thank you so much, Jeremy and Easton. We
0: did have a comment on either Podbean or Spotify where somebody was like, 20 minutes of unfunny banter. For F sakes, just get to the topic. And I was like, "Eh."
1: That's how we yeah. roll. That is how we roll. Again, check the show notes. People. Check the show notes. That is why we say at the beginning of every episode. What are time are we looking anything? at? Oh, I can. Actually oh,
0: twenty nine minutes. I told you it was going to be a longie. Well, this is with the unedited portion at the beginning, though. So I think we're probably
1: the unedited not portion too bad. was us waving at the camera.
0: We complained a little bit yeah, about
1: stuff. Should we jump in? I think we should jump in. So I don't remember if I said this now during the episode or during during the pre-episode or even if we were recording or maybe I just dreamt it, but. I was I originally had a whole second part to this you did say it. episode. Okay. And I'm holding off I I that's the second time that I've pulled it out of the episode because I I don't want to be rushed. I want to I want to do like a decent job with that because that one's kind of important to me for a reason that I'll get into when we talk about it. But so we're only going to be talking today about the disappearance and death of Aaron Hedges fascinating um, yeah and it's a missing 411 spotlight episode uh missing 411 in case you're joining us for the first time and have no idea what it is Been
0: living under a rock it is a
1: it is a book series by david politis who talks about how people go mysteriously disappearing or dying from national parks or forests or even state parks mm-hmm and there's a lot of really weird missing 411 stories where they're walking together, they turn around, the person's gone, and they're never seen again. Uh, Politus never really comes out and says what he thinks is causing this.
2: Mm, that's true. He is
1: a Bigfoot researcher, so some people speculate that he believes it's a Bigfoot thing. Some mm-hmm. people believe it's an alien thing. Some people believe it's a portal thing. But we, a lot of listeners find us because of the Missing, missing 411, 411 stuff, yeah. which is cool. So we're doing Missing 411 spotlights now where we look at one or two of the the stories and try to dissect them and see what we think. And this story fascinated me the first time that I saw this on the documentary by David Politis called Missing 411 The Hunted and you too. You were like, Loved "Wow, it. this is this is like one the of the whole most...
0: documentary is great." But yeah. this was the story that stuck with me the most. I watched
1: like people didn't like the first missing I know fo- that I saw. And it. I watched it and it wasn't as good as the second one. The what hunt... isn't
0: as good about it?
1: I don't know. I don't remember. But I was like, no, I like the second one better mm. because he touches on the first one was a lot of children disappearing, mm. and the, the the hunted one talks about hunters yeah. like disappearing. We talked. This season about i can't think of what his name was now but like the older guy that went out hunting in the woods and there was that weird sound that they heard and then he was isn't
0: that in this documentary too it was like yes it was also in this
1: documentary but i just remember being fascinated by this story and i wanted to do it so then looking into it you find out a lot more stuff so now it's like
0: not more than what was in the documentary yeah okay
1: and I'm, I'm not uh, going to the Missing411 subreddit is rough because sure. it is half people who really believe David Politis, like yep. the paranormal stuff, and then the other half hate David Politis. Yeah. So they it's just a, like every single thread devolves into arguing about sure. whether or not David Politis is on the if up he's and He's just
0: using the stories to make money.
1: Which, uh, even if he is, it's bringing a spotlight to, a spotlight to yeah. some of these missing people. And I don't understand the, the, the hatred. Thing? I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just don't get it. So we're not here to say whether or not he's on the up and up or whatever. We're just here to say what we found and to look at these stories.
0: And we just find them endlessly fascinating. fascinating. Yeah.
1: So here is a really quick summary uh, somebody wrote about on Reddit just to give you an idea of what this case is about. A redditor writes, "Quote: Just rented and watched the newest missing doc. The Aaron Hedges case is one of the strangest disappearances. He was hunting with two others. Went to go to a cache to get supplies. He was supposed to make a sharp turn, but ended up going straight. Missing for two days." The last marked location was the wrong direction from where he was supposed to go. They searched an area, nothing, went back and searched the same area, and then found his boots. Then, eight months later, they find a thermos with an energy drink in it on a rock overlooking buildings. He could see safety. Then the family finds his backpack, with his gun in it along with food, and his bow is next to it. Then, the next spring, on a dude ranch, they find his skull— WTF? What happened to him? Why did he leave his stuff behind? It's so very bizarre to think you can just vanish and no one will know what happened to you. So that is a very brief summary of the case just to give you an idea of what this is about. And it's weird. It is weird when when you watch a documentary and they show like the rock with the thermos on it mm-hmm. and like how close he was to the ranch
0: where people are living. So yeah. It's not like an abandoned property no. there were people living nope.
1: there. So the majority of all of this comes from four or five different sources. One of them is a MontanaPioneer.com article from October 3rd, 2015 called Missing in the Crazies, the Mysterious Disappearance of Aaron Hedges. It also comes from David Pol- David Politis' book Missing 411 Hunters and his documentary called Missing 411 the Hunted. It comes also from a YouTube video called The Hunter Who Vanished in the Crazies, the Aaron Hedges story by user The Missing Enigma. Very good, very, very good uh, video. I recommend if you're into this, check out that video. And a lot of it comes from a Reddit user named The Old Unknown. And he posted all these things about it and his account is deleted. So I don't know what happened there. (laughs) So those are the sources that most of this comes from. (laughs)
0: Again, we're well aware that everything on Reddit needs to be taken with a grain of salt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it does. But
0: But, there's some interesting nuggets to be found there.
1: But the majority of what I'm going to be reading right now, and it's rather long, a lot of this comes from the montanapioneer.com article. So are you ready? I'm ready. The rugged and unforgiving crazy mountains have always held their share of secrets, since last autumn, the crazies have held a new mystery, one filled with both frustration and sadness. Aaron Joseph Hedges, a 38-year-old, well-regarded hunter from Bozeman, was last heard from on September 7, 2014, and to this day he has not been found. Spoiler, he gets found. Even after the discovery, he did just mention his skull. Yes, even <laughs> even after the discovery of his bow and backpack in mid June, briefly offered hope. The case remains open as law enforcement officials attempt to find answers to a riddle that may never be solved. It's gone cold, says Sweet Grass County Sheriff's Lieutenant Alan Ronberg, who was involved in the original 12-day search for Hedges. He is the one that I think David Politis talks to throughout, and, the, yeah, video. throughout the video. Ronberg says. With the leads that we had, all of the interviews we have done, there are no new leads. From all of the theories that have been brought up and been pursued, we just don't have the answer yet. Corporal Greg Todd, who heads up Park County Search and Rescue, is unable to draw any firm conclusions. I can't, he said. It's the million-dollar mystery we have right now. We have just so many unanswered questions that it doesn't really give us much of a direction. In September of that year, 2014, Hodges and two friends headed into the crazy mountains to hunt elk. The mystery began when Hedges became separated from the two friends. Ronberg points out, quote, archery hunting is not really a group effort. I think he went off and was going to do his own thing, which I get, you know. Mm-hmm. I totally get it.
0: I loved how throughout this you they plotted out on the map where everything yes. was. That made it really yes. helpful. Yes,
1: that made it so helpful as opposed to like me describing where stuff is. Mm-hmm. You know, like it would be cool if we got to the point with our videos where we could overlay a picture or like a map of Mm -hmm. what we're talking about, but we're ten seasons away from
0: that. From that
1: sort of sophistication. According to Dave
0: (laughs) Maybe five. Maybe five.
1: (laughs) According to Dave Politis' book, what happened was that the three of them had two horses and a mule there to help them carry supplies and stuff. I have heard like conflicting reports. I heard one horse and a mule. I heard two horses. I heard two horses and a mule. But either way, they had at least a horse there, to something to help carry stuff. And at some point...
0: Well, okay. So David actually spoke to the people who were involved, and Mm -hmm. his documentary said there were two horses and a mule. So I would take that as fact rather than... Okay, but then somebody
1: said one of the reports said it was a one horse and a mule. So where did they get that report? I don't know. It was like the official report. So it's some, it's, they had some sort of pack animal there yes. with them, at least one sort of pack animal. Uh, at some point, the mule or horse became spooked and took off with Hodge's supplies still on it. Hodges picked up any items that dropped off of it, but he knew that he needed more supplies, like a sleeping bag and stuff. So he decided to head out to a nearby cache where they had hunted a previous year, and he left some items hidden. And I didn't know that that was a thing that hunters Mm -hmm. do, that, like... If you're gonna, be I think coming in remote
0: back. areas like yeah, that. but
1: it's it's like cool to think about that yeah. that you have a stash of supplies there. It
0: also tells you how experienced and prepared they were. Yeah, which, people probably don't do that around here.
1: No, like if you and I ever go out like bigfoot we're hunting, screwed. we're gonna have to like
2: <laughs> yeah, they're
1: gonna come upon my skull. I might like have a flashlight. Years. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So a bag of Japanese so peanuts. <laughs> that's where Hodges. That's why he left was to go to the nearby cache because he needed a sleeping bag. He wanted to go get his stuff that he had stored away there at the other hunting uh, camp or whatever they had. And then Hedges reportedly radioed his friends after a bit to let them know he had missed a turnoff back to their camp. His plan now was to seek shelter near the Sunlight Lake area. They apparently had a hunting camp the previous year and... Uh, Todd said, and Todd was the, I believe he was the um, the guy that heads up the search and rescue for the park. So Todd said they apparently had a hunting camp that previous year, and it was our understanding that he was headed to that cache. Ronberg says, quote, the original plan was that he was going to go up to that cache to get a sleeping bag and some other stuff and then come back. He radioed them that he had missed the turnoff, and they told him he needed to come back up the trail and come back into camp. That was the last time they heard from him. Hmm. While the hunters became separated on Sunday, Hedges wasn't reported missing until his wife, Christine, notified the Sweetgrass County Sheriff's Office on Wednesday, September 10th. So the hun- they became separated on Sunday, and nothing really happened until Wednesday when his wife notified yeah. them. When
0: were they expecting to be back?
1: I believe like already Monday maybe like yeah Monday or maybe no I believe it was Wednesday that they were planning on leaving for sure okay Park County Sheriff Scott Hamilton says quote it was my understanding that she had received a call from one or both of the guys who were with her husband she's the one who contacted Sweetgrass County and they are the ones who referred it to us the duration between the time Hedges went missing and the authorities being notified did raise some eyebrows, which...
0: That's a long stretch of that's time. That's a very
1: long stretch of time for him to be missing mm-hmm. and Nobody's people to anything? not know about it.
0: They did go looking for him, though. Yeah. His companions.
1: No. We'll get to that.
0: Oh, and the documentary, it said they did.
1: No. We'll get to that
0: interesting.
1: the duration between the time hedges went missing and the authorities being notified did raise some eyebrows, especially among amateur sleuths on social media who made instant unbashed accusations of foul play, which I get you yeah, know totally like he's just he's gone, and nobody reports him missing. That's going to be the first thing you right. jump to is that there was some sort of foul play.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: even Ronberg, an experienced bow hunter, did concede that the time lapse seemed mighty peculiar. he said quote. To me, that just seems too long to report somebody missing. I can understand if your buddy's missing, you can go out and look for him for a day, but after that, you're going to need more help. I might have waited a day. He might have killed something, and it might have taken him a while to get it back to camp, so I'll go look for him the next day, see if he needs help getting stuff out." If I can't find him by the end of that day, I'm getting the hell out of there and asking for help.
0: Well, especially since they had radios, so they had a way to be yes. in contact. Yes. If you didn't hear from him yes. for that long, yeah. something's wrong.
1: Yep. And a cell phone. They had cell phones.
0: I mean, did they have reception out there, though? It's pretty Yeah, that
1: I'm not 100% remote. sure. Uh, Todd goes on to say, I can't speculate or second guess. I've been doing search and rescue for a while now, and people all react differently. In the situation at hand, I can't speculate on their thought process. Hamilton adds, quote, The remoteness of the area, the lack of cell coverage, there was no way to communicate out unless they all came out of the area.
0: Or had radios. Oh, communicate They did have, out.
1: They did have radios, though. They mean communicate out did have. Out they, did have, they, did have they did have ways to radio each other.
0: But people outside of their groups? Yes. Probably not. Yep.
1: Whatever the reason <laughs> for the time lapse before Hedge's disappearance was reported, it did have its consequences. Hamilton says, quote, by the time we were notified and were able to spin up, the weather had hit. So we're dealing with two feet of snow now in the mountains. Well,
0: and there had been a storm right off the get too, right? No. See, that's what the documentary yeah. said. Yeah. There's, dif- there's, the
1: there's a lot of discrepancies coming Sauce. up. There's a lot of sus discrepancies. Uh, but... This is a missing 411 trademark is that when somebody goes disappearing and people come in to storm. search for them, there's yeah. always some sort of weather event mm-hmm. that happens that like hinders any sort of search or rescue. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting that, you know, but then it's also that area in in that time of year, you're going to get snowstorms, yeah. you know. By the time we were notified and able to spin up, the weather had hit, so now we're dealing with two feet of snow in the mountains. The continuing storm made air searching difficult for the first day or two actually impossible. Search crews entered from the Park County side, focusing their efforts on the area that stretches from the Cottonwood Lake Trail to Trespass Creek. According to authorities, the hunters had began their trip at the Cottonwood Lake Trailhead. Todd goes on to say, quote, we got two feet of snow, and it was snowing hard. We actually deployed a horse team based on what we had initially. They made it as far as they could, maybe even maybe even farther than they should have, and came back out. It was snowing hard, and the temperature dropped 35 degrees. It was tough, very cold, very wet, probably in the teens if I remember correctly. The horse team got back well after dark, but we didn't search in the darkness in the snow because that's not safe. The horse team was our initial response, but we also had dog teams and foot teams the next day. The effort, according to Park and Sweetgrass Counties, quote, exhaustively searched the crazy mountains west of Wilsall and included 20 dog teams, seven horse teams, 59 ground searchers, and National Guard and private helicopters equipped with night vision equipments and spotlights. So they had quite the crew out there. They had everything at their disposal. fingertips. Yeah. yeah.
0: More resources than you hear in a lot of missing person stuff that we cover. Yep. And the FBI got involved, right? Did you talk about I that? I don't
1: remember if the FBI got involved in this one or not.
0: Because I remember them talking about it in the documentary that it was weird. Because they don't normally get involved in missing person cases.
1: Yeah. It was right at the beginning. I, I don't remember what I was listening to. It was a podcast. but they kind of it was dove, one of the other cases. They dove into when the FBI... Should join a case and when they shouldn't. And I think, I think like missing kids for some reason, the FBI, I think, isn't it
0: more if abductions that cross state lines?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big one. But I think there was also something involving children that Hmm. sometimes they can get involved, sometimes they don't.
0: Because I know we talked about another story where the FBI was involved and it seemed very odd to everyone that they were there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was the... Oh, God, what was his name? That boy that disappeared. Mm -hmm. By September 22nd, officials decided to scale back the search until they received more information. That moment arrived this past summer, which was June 2015, when Roger... Oh, boy. Roger Bezlanowich, a butcher from Powell, Wyoming, happened happened upon Hedges' belongings on a piece of private (laughs) property... When Roger... uh, when Roger B., a butcher from Powell, Wyoming, happened upon Hedges' belongings on a piece of private property while visiting relatives at the Anchor Ranch in Sweetgrass County. He says, quote, My son-in-law was going to fix some fences, and it was kind of steep, so I dropped him off at the top. It was going to take him a while to get things done with the fence, so I had some time to kill. He told me if I wanted to look at a beautiful view to go onto the top of a ridge above, and I did. After taking in the vista, he decided to take a shortcut through a stand of timber. That's when he spotted an orange hunting vest as well as a backpack and clothing. His initial fear was, quote, I thought a bear got somebody. Because all of a sudden he comes upon this, you know, he's walking through these trees and all of a sudden there's an orange hunting vest, a backpack, and stuff sitting there. My first thought when I saw clothes piled up against a tree, I just knew there was going to be a body there, he said. There is a lot of bear activity where they flip the rocks over to eat the bugs underneath. Ew. I just knew there was going to be a body there, but there wasn't. The inventory found at the scene included a bow, a backpack, socks, shirts, sweatpants, and a vest. The backpack had holes in it, which he assumed were caused by small varmints. I love the word varmints. <laughs> Wrappers from granola bars, along with other debris, were scattered nearby. Bezlanovich says, quote, I thought some out-of-state hunter got cold and disoriented and wanted to go home but couldn't find his stuff. So I gathered it all up to put it in the backpack to haul it back out. When I was just about done, I saw a piece of paper and found that it was part of a hunting license and it had Aaron Hedges' name on it. <laughs> It said Bozeman, Montana. In fact, the gear that had been left among the trees were, in fact, left there by hedges. And the maybe. thing is, the thing is, he was, yeah, maybe, he was not that far from possible rescue. Mm-hmm. Bezlanovic says, quote, by the way the crow flies, I'd say it was just a couple of miles away from the main ranch house. According to David Politis' book, Charlie Rain said that Hodge's items were found on a hillside in a place where Hodge's would have been able to easily see their house. A thermos had been found sitting on a rock there, and it was almost like Hodge's had, or Hedge's had been sitting there watching their home, which is weird. Like That that part in the documentary is really it is fascinating where you see the rock with the mm-hmm. thermos on it, and it's like he can see the lights from the ranch house from where he is right. s-
0: sitting there. It doesn't make sense.
1: The book also says that hedges had a forty four caliber Ruger Redhawk in his backpack, a gun. He could have used it to signal his friends. Mm-hmm. He could have used it if he was like injured. He could have used it to signal the people in the ranch. You know, so there's just so many questions about this. Could it be that being hypothermic and disoriented, Hedges removed layers of clothing and headed off in the wrong direction? Are you talking
0: about the boots yet?
1: Well, just that they found the boots i think the boots Much could either further come further back too yeah. yep. it was
0: further back in his traveling yeah, to that get they found to where it was when the search so party was looking so he was barefoot looking, or maybe. had socks on we'll or something okay. we we'll get that okay <laughs> yeah and his water bladder was there yes. and he had even attempted to make a fire yep but that's prior to where his um backpack and thermos were found
1: yep So could it be that being hypothermic disoriented, hedges remove layers of clothing and headed off in the wrong direction? And that is a thing, like paradoxical undressing Mm -hmm. when you're freezing to death because of the way the body is, the blood is, like you end up taking off clothing because you think you're hot, Mm -hmm. which is weird. Yet, if the hunters began their trip from the Cottonwood Lake trailhood on the, trailhood, Trailhead on the <laughs> west side of the mountains and Hedges was bound for sunlight lake to the north, how did he end up so far on the east side of the range? The distance he would have had to cover was perhaps 15 miles, much of it off trail, and strenuous. Ronenberg says of the terrain, quote, everything off that trail is just nasty. Rocks, underbrush, Slide rock, slip rock, it's tough to get around in when you're off the trail. You don't have to be very far off the trail to get into the rough traveling. With a ruthless storm coming in, the decision to travel east along the sweet grass drainage would have presented a considerable challenge for even the most experienced outdoorsmen, and Hedges would have been been almost certain to have lost radio contact. I'd be speculating," says Todd, when pushed for a theory. We have a lot of unanswered questions, and until we have some credible information to push us in another direction, it's just an open investigation.
0: So, how many miles was he from where his friends were camping to where, like these things? I don't Wasn't remember. Like Eleven miles, yeah, or something, it something like that. that. It, it really comes up. Far away. Yeah,
1: it comes up a little bit later. I mean, we're gonna talk a lot about that. With the case still open, law enforcement officials would not disclose the identity of Hedges' hunting companions. We still don't know. I think we know their first names, Mm. but we don't know the names of his two hunting friends. Both men were interviewed by Park County Detective Brian Green, a routine procedure in this type of investigation. When contacted, Green declined to add any further comments besides those offered by Hamilton and Todd. Todd goes on to say, quote, With a missing persons case, there are privacy concerns. If there are elements of a criminal nature at some point, because we don't know, uh, we just can't take a chance on certain information getting out, which is true. Yeah. While Hamilton said authorities look at have to look at all possibilities, he seemed to indicate that he believed that Hedges most likely died from natural causes. He says, quote, There are way more questions than answers, but if you follow the evidence, the interviews, everything from the start to where we are today, it indicates that this fellow was up there to go hunting and super bad weather came in he, when he was by himself on a trail heading into Sweetgrass country. When the items being, with the items being found in Sweetgrass, it all indicates to me that he had gone over there and ended up succumbing to the elements. Missing from the evidence is the fact that Hedges has not yet been found. Spoiler, he gets found. Mm -hmm. While not unheard of in missing persons cases, this element is what stands in the way of ultimate closure. In the meantime, questions remain. Ronberg says, quote, you think of it and there's a theory about it. Everything from he got turned around just off the trail, got caught in the storm, died from hypothermia. He escaped to Mexico somewhere. UFOs got him. There is literally a full list, a legal full page of theories out there. How long will the case remain open? Todd answers, indefinitely. We'll keep the investigation open, hopefully, until we find him. And they did find him. From an August 9, 2016 article from the Great Falls Tribune called, quote, Remains are those of missing Hunter. The article says, Human remains found last week in south central Montana are indeed those of thirty-eight-year-old Bozeman man who went missing during an elk hunt two years ago, Sweetgrass County officials said on Tuesday. Dental records confirmed that the skeletal remains of a rancher found Friday. Wait. Dental records confirmed that the skeletal remains a rancher found Friday west of Melville were those of Aaron Joseph Hedges, under Sheriff Alan Ronberg said. The cause of death is still under investigation, but initial indications are that he died of hypothermia and exposure, Ronberg goes on to say.
0: But they never give an official cause of death, right?
1: Nope. Hedges was reported missing in September 2014 when he became separated from a hunting party on the western side of the Crazy Mountains. That fall, searchers found a pair of boots, a water backpack, and a fire spot believed to belong to Hedges on the eastern side of the mountains. In June 2015, a man doing fencing work found other items belonging to Hedges, including a bow, a backpack, a hunting license, and a gun. Sweetgrass County officials searched the area at the time, but they did not find Hedges. His remains were found about a half mile away from the bow and backpack, just outside of the 2015 search area, Ronberg said. Hedges' remains were found about 15 miles from where he was last seen and about six miles from where his boots were found. Mm-hmm officials speculate that he must have had another pair of shoes because the rocks were very sharp where hedges boots were found ronberg said a cell phone was found with his remains
0: and they could not recover the contents of the cell phone
1: no so uh, another uh thing that happens very often in missing 411 cases are shoes or boots end up coming off when they but, shouldn't. like like you would not if you were like hiking through rocky mm-hmm. wilderness you would not take your shoes or boots off
0: and they always look like they've been placed very deliberately yes like they didn't yep. fall off while you were running no like you took, them, you took off them off and set them set them neatly next to each other do they do they talk about the so something that they said in the documentary that stuck out to me was that one of his femurs or a femur was partially buried do you remember that
1: yeah and they did not find his feet. Yeah, he, his feet they did, were never gone. Found his feet. Yeah, um, but we'll get to that.
0: <laughs> so I just got curted. You
1: just got curted. I
0: got curded several times already. You
1: did. I curted you several times. <laughs> so that's that's a lot of what is known. Like, yeah. I mean, that came out about the case, and it is. It does sound mysterious. It's like
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's a lot of questions. It's like how was how did he get lost from his friends? You know, if he took the wrong turn on a trail, turn around, and take the trail back.
0: Well, if because what made sense to me in the documentary is they say that a storm happened that night when he went to the cache, and would have covered up the trail. But you're saying that storm. Didn't Apparently, happen? it didn't. Hmm.
1: Not that. Not that time. That's fishy. But we'll. So we'll get into that. Because that
0: one makes sense to me. You can get really dis- disoriented in a snowstorm in the middle. It's of the very woods. easy
1: to get disoriented in a snowstorm in the woods. Think you're
0: heading one way because he even says to them. I missed the turn. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Allegedly, he said that to them.
1: But the the whole scenario with him being camped out there where he can see that's weird the ranch. He's got a gun. I have a theory he about that. He has a that. cell phone. He has... Food. He could walk down. He could stroll down to the ranch and be like, hey, I got separated from my friends.
2: Has, so I feel yeah. like
1: that's where a lot of the mystery about this comes from is how did he die when he was right there near somebody or a place that could rescue him.
0: Unless it was somebody else that took his things and was sitting there
1: that's very possible after killing him. That's very we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. So now this a lot of this comes from Reddit from the user the old unknown. I like that name. Uh and this one was titled There's like five or six different parts. This one was titled Aaron Hedges Part 2, A Quintessential Missing 411 Case, Rebuttal Against David Politis.
0: Mm, Rebuttal.
1: So now uh, the old unknown, this Reddit user says, and even though he's not on, his account was deleted, these are all still there. Okay. But again, this devolves into an argument about David Politis. Sure, of course. So this Reddit user says, Aaron Hedges was last seen in the morning of September 7th and David Politis says his friends did not think much about it on September 8th because he had supplies, was very experienced, and heavily armed. This claim is, however, contradicted by several statements made by the two friends. Aaron was an experienced hunter in the sense that this was not his first hunting trip, but that does not necessarily mean Aaron was experienced enough to survive by himself in the crazy mountains and snowy conditions. When friend one called Aaron Hedge's wife on September 10th, he asked her if Aaron was still alive, which is such a weird thing to ask.
0: Who did he ask that? His wife. That is weird.
1: Yeah. Like, he called, like, they didn't, you know, he was last seen on the morning of September 7th, and these guys called his wife on the 10th and asked her if Aaron was still alive, which is weird.
0: Not, hey, did he show up at your house? Yeah, Is he still alive? How would know that? We know this because
1: the sergeant who interviewed him made the following statement, quote, After getting cell service, friend one said that he also called Hedges' wife and asked if Hedges was still alive. During an interview on September 12th, the two friends explained that they thought, quote, Hedges is probably deceased. The sergeant asked them why they felt this way, and they answered that Aaron was, quote, not in his right state of mind. And the sergeant notes the two friends, quote, did not feel he had the skills to survive in the area in bad weather. Interesting. And this, the whole not-in-his-right-state-of-mind brings his mental state into yeah. the whole equation. David Politis also gives the readers the impression that the two friends were diligent in their search for Aaron, and this is simply not the case. The fact is Aaron friend, Aaron's friends did not search for him at all. During the investigation, the sergeant notes, quote, In short, Hedges, Friend 1 and Friend 2, went into the Crazy Mountains to hunt elk on September 5th, and Friend 1 and Friend 2 returned on September 10th without Hedges. During our first interview, Friend 1 and Friend 2 advised us they had not went looking for Hedges. This was clarified during the second interview. This was the same sergeant who found it odd that friend 1 called Mrs. Hodges on September Mrs. Hedges on September. I keep, you keep saying Hodges. Up. I know I'm sorry. <laughs> this was the same sergeant who found it odd that friend 1 called Mrs. Hedges on September 10th and asked her if Aaron was still alive. The sergeant stated, "Quote: "It should be noted that neither friend 1 nor friend 2 indicated they would looked for Hedges at all while they were in the area." It is also odd that they would call and ask Hedge's wife as he, if he was alive, and then ask her to call search and rescue.
0: Yeah, why would she have any idea?
1: I don't know. It's bizarre. U- unless they thought that he got out without them and just went home, that's a very that's a possibility. Be, well,
0: it's a strange way to word it. The video it.
1: goes on to say that they went there in two vehicles. And they both left their keys in the vehicles in case they came out without the other people and wanted to go home. Hmm. So it's a poss- they It was a possibility that he just left and went home. But they would have also noticed that both vehicles were still there. Yeah. So I don't know. It is odd. It should be noted that neither friend one nor two indicated that they looked for hedges at all while they were in the area. And it's also odd that they would call and ask Hedge's wife as he if he was still alive and ask her to call search and rescue. Friend 1 stated that they did not look for Aaron because they thought Aaron, quote, may have already gone back out the way they came and be ahead of them. Friend 1 became emotional at this point and said he felt that they made a mistake. They did try calling Aaron, but there was no reception. A corporal talked to the two friends on September 11th, and he told them to stay out of the search area, an instruction his two friends decided to ignore. Friend one and friend two went back into the Sunlight Trailhead where they talked to a deputy and a second corporal. The two friends told the deputy and the second corporal that they were going up to Sunlight Lake where they had an old cache, which is the same cache Aaron had left for, to go find on September 7th. The deputy tried to discourage them from going because he did not want them complicating the search effort, and he also said that the weather was bad. But the friends didn't listen, and the two friends spent the night at the Sunlight Lake Cache and returned to the trailhead the following morning.
0: Isn't there a point where they can be like, Yeah, no, you can't be here? Yeah, you would think so. Yes. Yep. I guess, is it a crime scene at that point?
1: At that point, I don't believe it's a crime scene, but still, like if they ask you not to go.
0: Yeah, that's super sketchy. In it's later... like they're trying to mess with. Yes,
1: in a later interview, the law enfo- in a later interview with law enforcement, the two hunters stated Aaron had not made it to the Sunlight Lake cache.
0: They probably knew when they got there and it hadn't uh, been touched, right?
1: But we're going to get to that. Okay. So they said that Aaron had not made it back to the Sunlight Lake cache, and that was the cache that Aaron was going to in the first place. These are the friends who said that. Yes. Okay. To get the sleeping bag and stuff that he lost when his his mule or whatever took off.
0: Hate it when that happens. David
1: Politis writes. Quote, the two friends went out elk hunting and thought they'd see him that night. The friends did kill an elk and brought it back to camp. Well, priorities. Yep. Authorities found an elk carcass to the west of Dead Horse during their search for Aaron Hedges. The elk that was found matched the description of the elk that was killed by the two friends. This does not come up in the book or the documentary, but the elk was killed on private property. A sergeant who interviewed the two hunters noted, quote, At this time, it appears friend one and friend two have been deceptive in their description of where they shot the elk. This may be due to the fact that the elk might have been harvested on private property, Mm. which is not good. No. No, to kill an elk on private property. Yeah. The sergeant also notes, quote, also during the search, two arrows matching the description given by friend two that Aaron always used, were found at the Sunlight Lake Lake Cache, which is 8 to 8.5 miles away on the trail. Why is this problematic? The sergeant continues, quote, This does not match the description of where Friend 1 and Friend 2 stated the three were reportedly together, and we have been unable to locate any of these arrows at any of the other alleged camps. We have also not been able to locate either of the other two camps where they stated they were with hedges. So now it's getting sketchy. Like now they said that
0: where were the arrows found
1: at the sunlight lake cache where, where... they said he never made it yes. to and they found they found what looked like hedge's arrow was there
0: the police did
1: yes hmm. so now it's like did hedge's get there right and get the cache? or is this all made up
0: it's like they're they're trying to feed the police it, misinformation yeah
1: yeah, so it's weird that they found his arrows weird. at this cache site where yeah. Hedges was going to to get his stuff, and they said that they couldn't even find like these other camps where they supposedly all stayed together. So now things are getting like really weird. According to Friend One, the trio made camp on the Trespass Creek Trail on September 5th, the first night. Then they arrived at Campfire Lake in the afternoon of September 6th, and they spent the night there. So, Friend 2 said that Aaron Hedges practiced his bow and new sight at Campfire Lake, but investigators did not find any of Aaron's arrows there. The only place they found Aaron Hedges' arrows were at Sunlight Lake, the very location the two friends said that Aaron could not find. Hmm. Law enforcement asked to see photos of the hunt and the elk, but Friend 2 only showed them one photo. The photo depicted him packing the elk skull cap and horns on his pack, and the sergeant noted the photo was not taken at the kill site. Investigators were interested in the two friends' cell phones and GPS coordinates. Friend one said their phones were in airplane mode during the hunt in order to save on batteries, which I get. Mm -hmm. The sergeant lamented the fact that the rest of the photos were not shared as he felt their timestamps and GPS coordinates would make it easier for them to locate Aaron Hedges. So there's a lot of like questionable stuff going on here
0: if one of my friends went missing i would literally do the opposite of everything well, that yeah like done. I'm, I'm
1: assuming if i didn't show up if i told you i was coming down to do the podcast and i didn't show up you wouldn't wait four days you to would call report. everyone yeah to call to say i was missing you'd call Corey pretty you'd be much like right strangers.
0: Away. i need your help but yeah kurt's missing. and also the police yeah <laughs> search and rescue yeah
1: um so yeah they they didn't share the rest of the photos Friend One allowed investigators to read one text message from Aaron Hedges, but investigators theorized that there were texts they did not get to read.
2: That were
0: deleted?
1: Yep. Investigators were allowed to look at Friend One's GPS unit, but no waypoints were found. The sergeant notes, quote, It seemed odd that they would not mark waypoints as they were hunting a checker... Boarded, they were hunting a checkerboarded area with numerous privately owned sections in the area. Mm. None of this is mentioned in the missing 4-on-1 book or documentary. The sergeant continues, quote, Also when asked to show us where they had camped and where they had harvested the elk, they were very vague and unclear. This is concerning as both friend 1 and friend 2 claimed to know the area very well. Investigators were troubled and the sergeant notes, quote, Evidence from the investigation indicates that both Friend 1 and Friend 2's phones and GPS units are important evidence in locating the whereabouts of Hedges, but they were not given access to that stuff. Also, a witness later came forward, and this witness claimed that he saw the trio on the trail. The sergeant notes, quote, The witness statements directly refute the location of where Hedges, Friend 1 and Friend 2, camped their first night. Hmm. He goes on to note, quote, It appears friend one and friend two are actively withholding information or giving misinformation regarding their exact whereabouts during the hunting trip.
0: Do you think this is all because they killed an elk on private property?
1: My belief is yes, that they wow. don't want to get in trouble for killing an elk on mm-hmm. private property. Who
0: cares about their missing friend, you know?
1: Well, yeah. We'll get. We'll get Unless that they too. had
0: something to do with that. <laughs> Maybe he knew they did that and was going to turn them in.
1: We never really get to know Aaron Hedges in the Missing 411 documentary or in the book, and there must be a reason for this. And again, this is the Reddit guy talking. This Mm -hmm. isn't me talking. So don't sue me, please. In the documentary, (laughs) David Politis interviews one of Aaron Hedges' friends, but the two hunters, Mrs. Hedges and Aaron's brother, never appear in the movie, Mm -hmm. which is true. Like, you would think that...
0: Sometimes people just don't want to be on TV, though. Yeah. They just want to be private. I get that. Yeah.
1: Is Politis not interested in their accounts, or would their statements possibly contradict the official missing 411 narrative? As I have already mentioned, the two friends did not think Aaron Hedges would survive because Aaron was, quote, not in his right state of mind. During the interview, both friends also said that Aaron did not seem to be in good physical condition. In the evening of September 10th, the day the hunting trip ended, the two friends were interviewed by Park County officials, and it is noted that friend one, quote, went on to explain that Hedges had a serious drinking problem and was supposedly taking medication to stop having cravings to drink. It is also noted friend one, quote, stated that he had known Hedges for 10 years and thought that Hedges was screwing up at home by drinking too much. Friend One confirmed that Hedges had been drinking during the trip, but he did not know if Aaron had any alcohol on his person. According to Friend One, Hedges, quote, had been acting strangely and was agitated and was confrontational almost from the time they arrived at the trailhead. Friend One also told Park County officials that Aaron was, quote, a chronic alcoholic and sought assistance from a physician to help curb his drinking. So now we're getting into a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that we kind of didn't know right. about going into this. Friend two was interviewed.
0: Didn't the documentary paint him as an experienced yes. outdoorsman? Yes. Okay.
1: Friend two was interviewed by a detective and a corporal on March 5th, 2015. Friend two told them that Aaron Hedge's usual drinking pattern consisted of at least a pint of Jack Daniels a day. That's a lot of that's a that's Dang. that's Wisconsin like, level. That's Wisconsin drinking. level drinking. Yeah. The detective notes, quote, he, friend two, described the out-of-it behavior exhibited by Hedges the day they left for the mountains and said that Aaron drank alcohol on the way to the trailhead. Safe. So both friend one and friend two described the same scenario. Aaron was agitated and in a bad mood from the start. Friend one said that Aaron had a belligerent attitude. The detective continued saying, quote, knowing that Hedges was on medication to curb his alcohol cravings but continued to drink anyway. And observing the behavior by edges, by Hedges, said in retrospect, he wishes he would have forbidden Hedges to go on the trip. So the friend says he wishes he wouldn't have let him come mm-hmm. because he was kind of a mess. He was kind of a hot mess at that point.
0: Not somebody you want to be in the wilderness no. with, with weapons. No,
1: and it is hunting season starting today, by the way. Yeah, it is.
0: Friend two Was note- there a line at McDonald's?
1: I didn't go. I went to Quick Trip. Oh. I just got like a breakfast sandwich from Quick Trip. Friend two noticed Aaron Hedges did not have a large amount of alcohol with him. The detective made the following comment, quote, Based on the amount of alcohol that Hedges brought with him, which was much less than he would consume on a five to seven day hunting trip, Friend 2 theorized that Hedges intended to dry out and attempted to get his life together on the hunting trip. He also theorized that Hedges' intent all along was to get to the cache and to go through his withdrawal process alone, hmm. but he never made it there. Interesting. When Mrs. Hedges was interviewed, she told law enforcement that Aaron, quote, had been agitated and unstable on his feet recently, and she believed this was due to his recent prescription. The fact is Mrs. Hedges did not want Aaron to go on the hunting trip, but she was unable to change his mind. The detective notes, quote, Mrs. Hedges stated that because of the negative side effects he had seen in her husband Aaron, which included short-temperedness and physical unbalance, she did not want him to go on the hunting trip. She restated Aaron's alcoholism and subsequent efforts to convince him not to go on the trip, but she said his mind was made up and he went anyway. Mrs. Hedges also relayed Aaron was familiar with the area and that he had been out there three or four times the past year. Aaron Hedges' brother was also interviewed, and he worried that Aaron was possibly suicidal. The detective noted, quote, "'The brother said it was a spur-of-the-moment trip for Aaron.'" The brother stated that he was told by friend one that Aaron had not been very nice to his wife lately. Hmm. The brother also told me that he had heard lately that Aaron was drinking a lot again and was losing his friends and his family. According to the brother, he was concerned Aaron might be suicidal. So we have a whole lot going on yeah. that we did not know they didn't touch about on any of that. Yes. Um and this was a reply on Reddit. Somebody writes, quote Thank you for the information. I think it is insightful and a way to make the case more personal, but I don't agree with the negative viewpoints towards the documentary and Dave Politis' work. In almost every case he discusses, he focuses on the facts, the evidence, the key details that show relativity to the stories. But it's in the perspective of a criminal investigator. So yes, you're going to get cut-and-dried presentation. Each of these cases have a real person involved with a real family with narratives and personal details and reasoning. It is not a disgrace to Aaron or to any of the cases that are covered to explain only the key points of the given incident. If he had constructed false statements of Aaron's life or made assumptions, then that would be an injustice. He doesn't do any of that for the people in situation he touches on. This person's defending David Mm -hmm. Politis. I also don't see just because of Aaron's personal life and his issues means that this tragedy cannot be a missing 411 case. The people among the similar cases include the elderly, the disabled, the mel- mentally unwell, the athletic, the healthy, the young men, women, children, etc. Which I get. I, I, mean, I understand that you can't. You don't want to delve too much into a person's private problems. But if they, but I also feel like story, it contributes to yeah, the possible scenario of absolutely what absolutely
0: have been a factor in yeah. the story. Yeah. so I think it's relevant.
1: I do too. But on the other hand, I do get why David Politis doesn't touch on it because, but a lot of the people that dislike David Politis say he didn't touch on any of it because it gives a rational explanation for the disappearance.
0: And where is all this information coming from again about him being an alcoholic from the the friends? No.
1: Well, from the friends, from the family, from the official sheriff's report. Okay. Like, so this is like, this stuff is genuine. I mean, I did not look, I did not, I don't even know if it's out there available that I could have looked at it, but the, the, the report, the official sheriff's report that of is where they're getting a lot of this stuff from okay so then the reddit stuff goes on to say so what distances are we dealing with here the narrative the two friends present is dodgy at best and investigators found them deceptive this unfortunately means we are not able to construct a definitive timeline of events Mm -hmm. according to friend one aaron hedges left the campfire lake camp early in the morning of september 7th At about 4.30 p.m., Friend One said he spoke to Hedges on the radio, which was a Garmin Rhino, and Friend One claims Aaron said he could not find the Sunlight Lake Trail Fork. Please note investigators were unable to find any evidence that suggested the three of them had spent a night at Campfire Lake. Aaron Hedges was familiar with the area, and he had been there many times before. The Sunlight Lake Cache had a wood stove, a wall tent, food, and many other things Aaron needed because Aaron had supposedly lost his sleeping bag in a mule wreck. The two friends claimed Aaron Hedges could not find the Sunlight Lake Trail Fork, and according to them, Aaron, quote, had gone numerous miles too far. We have some reasons to believe this statement is, in, in, is incorrect. Friend 2 told investigators Aaron Hedges was unprepared for the hunt. Aaron had put a new sight on his bow the day before the trip, and according to Friend 2, Aaron, quote, could not even hit a hay bale at 10 yards. So that's kind of that's a... That's
2: pretty bad. That's, yeah. Friend, <laughs> I feel like I could do that. Yeah,
1: Friend 2 told investigators Aaron was trying to sight his bow in at one of the camps below Campfire Lake and was shooting into rocks and blowing up arrows. Friend 2 described what Aaron's arrows looked like. They had a gold tip with 4-inch green and white fletching. Arrows matching the description were found at the Sunlight Lake cache, the very location that the two friends said Aaron Hedges was unable to find. A sergeant notes, quote, this does not match the description of where friend one and friend two stated the three were reportedly together. And again, we have been unable to locate any of these arrows at the other alleged camps. On September 11th, the first day of the search, the two friends went to the Sunlight Lake. Again, again, I'm repeating some of this, that Mm -hmm. the deputies told them don't go there. Yeah. And what do they do? They go there. They go there. Friend One told investigators that Aaron Hedges said, quote, that it had felt like he had hiked for seven miles on September 7th. This means Aaron, on September 7th, was in the vicinity of the location that his boots were found. The distance between the Sunlight Lake Trail Fork and the Boots is about three miles. The distance between Sunlight Lake and the Boots is about seven miles, and the distance between Campfire Lake and the Boots is also about seven miles. Investigators were only allowed to read one text written by Aaron Hedges. On September 9th... you know what it said? On September 9th, Aaron sent friend one a text that said, quote, I will call you tonight. This text was sent at 8.35 p.m. On what day? September 9th.
0: This is before the... No, they went out there on the
1: 5th? Yeah. This shows Aaron was still alive at this point, and this also means Aaron had at least three days to find the fork, a fork that was only three miles up the trail. Missing the fork is hard since it's close to where the North Fork Sweetgrass Creek meets the Sweetgrass Creek. During the search, rescu- during the search, rescuers found Aaron Hedges' Wolverine Gore-Tex boots. At the same location, searchers also found two small campfires obscured by the snow. It started snowing on the evening of September 10th. An MSR water purifier pump and a Camelback water bladder partially filled with liquid were also found. Investigators described the campsite as, quote, a relatively protected area approximately 75 yards in diameter a short distance off the main hiking trail. Investigators believe Aaron Hedges left this campfight before it started snowing, but more on the boots and the snow in a future post. As noted, as noted rescuers found two campfires. Does this indicate Aaron Hedges spent two nights or days there? David Politis writes, quote, In the four books I had written about missing people, there were extreme examples of the phenomenal distances people allegedly traveled. And that's another missing 4 and one thing is mm-hmm. people like travel distances that they shouldn't to be able to travel. In the amount of time. Yes. Yeah. But nothing indicates that Hedges walked a phenomenal distance. It is claimed Aaron Hedges walked seven miles on September 7th. If this is the case... Aaron had at least three days to walk an additional six miles, which is hardly a phenomenal feat. Right. The two friends were deceptive, which means we are not able to construct a perfect timeline. Claiming someone walked a phenomenal distance based on flawed data is flawed thinking. One could argue that Hedges was never even really lost in the first place. The campsite where his boots were found was close to the fork and close to a farm. Aaron followed the grass Trail, so he could have turned around at any time if he was truly lost, which is true. Like, mm-hmm. if you're on a trail, I feel like you can't really get lost because you can turn around and come back.
0: I remember the, the sheriff he was working, or whoever, saying that the trails are very clearly defined. Yeah. It would be very difficult yeah. to get lost.
1: Especially if you've known, if you've been out to the area before and you Many, know the area. Several times, yeah. So some stuff is just not adding up. Yeah. yeah. And I am not vouching for this because I didn't really read the reports, but the Reddit poster goes on to say that the dates in the documentary are all wrong. According to the documentary, the hunting trip started September 3rd, but it actually started September 5th. According to the documentary, the storm started on Monday, September 7th, which was actually a Sunday. Mm-hmm. But it's believed, but according to the poster, the storm actually started on September 10th. And that's a big discrepancy mm-hmm. when you're talking about the storm being a factor in his disappearance. Yeah. Where if it didn't start Monday and it didn't start till the 10th, it didn't technically start until after the boots were, found. were left. Yeah. yeah. The documentary says that the phone call happened September 7th, but according to the report, the call happened the 10th. According to the documentary, the boots and stuff were found on September 9th, but the Reddit poster says that no one was even yet looking for him on the 9th and that the boots and stuff were found on September 17th. So that's a huge discrepancy. The dates and the sequence of events are super important, especially if you are attempting to claim that something unknown happened. Take the storm, for example. In the documentary, it is said that the storm hit the area on Monday and that the friends called for help that same day. According to the documentary, Aaron went missing two days before the storm arrived, but the reality is that the storm arrived four days after Aaron went missing. Politus claims that Aaron's case is mysterious because he walked an impossible distance during the storm. But Politis and the production crew did not realize Aaron walked this impossible distance while it was still reasonably warm outside and there was no storm yet.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I would argue that Aaron probably had reached the ranch where his stuff was found before it had even begun snowing. He had four days to walk about eight to 10 miles in good weather, which is definitely not impossible. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, no. So there you go. Some people do that in a day. Like people who are hiking the Pacific Crest Trail or whatever. So it's going to be a 12-mile day. Yeah. What is wrong with you?
1: Because because of this stuff, they believe that when they started searching for hedges, he was already outside the The search search perimeter. So that's what I got. Now we get to theories. Okay. This might be a shorter episode, but that's okay. I got stories coming up. But it just, like, I couldn't find a ton about this, but it amazed me at how much stuff there is that we did not know about when we first because when you watch it in the documentary it's like a fascinating mystery like why but then when you find out all this other stuff the friends being deceptive it actually
0: makes it more mysterious uh,
1: yeah the friends being deceptive
0: (laughs) you leave leave with more questions yeah
1: but it went from it feels more like foul play though yes it went from being a paranormal thing to being being any -hmm. of these other possibilities theory number one foul play And somebody on Reddit writes, quote, My latest crazy theory is that he was murdered or killed accidentally by his two friends and then carried in the, quote, lost sleeping bag to the final camp base. Just drop his shoes off on the way to make it look like he had hypothermia. As it took them, quote, a day to realize he was missing and, quote, a day of searching, that's plenty of time to get there and back, camping halfway at the shoe point. Also explains why they couldn't show where they actually camped as it was actually the shoe point. And then somebody else replies to that. The two friends are very deceptive. I honestly do not understand their mule wreck story and how Aaron's sleeping bag was lost. Friend one said they spent two hours looking for the sleeping bag. Is that even possible? The friends claim Aaron decided to go to the Sunlight Lake Cache to retrieve some stuff, but there's evidence that indicates all of them were at the Sunlight Lake Cache. So the whole mule wreck scenario makes zero sense to me. I get that. Yeah. Somebody else writes, quote, guy was murdered. I get irritated listening to that Barney Fife undersheriff on the 401 documentary. Maybe it doesn't add up because it was murder, Barney Fife. Guy's very bitter. <laughs> I am ex-law enforcement and worked on a search and rescue team at one point. I have had a lot of experience in the mountains. I highly doubt search and rescue would have missed his boots the first time they went through the area where his GPS supposedly pinged.
0: That's a very common missing 401 yes. thing. Yes, yep.
1: They would have searched that area very well after being told his GPS ping there. They didn't find anything in that area and then later find boots and a staged, half-burnt fire with a pack of his brand of cigarettes. Right. Mm-hmm. They missed it the first time. It was planted there after they searched it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Somebody else writes, quote, oh, no, the same guy then writes, then the whole scene at the rancher's property so staged a thermos and cup still sitting upright on a rock through a winter and those nasty winds in that area yes i know i'm from that area i'm from a, i'm from idaho the backpack would not still have been upright either, especially with food inside. Animals would have torn it to shreds, especially squirrels, chipmunks, and other rodents environments.
2: So true. The
1: 44 handgun was in the pack. It would most likely be rusted if it sat there through all those elements. I don't care if the backpack covered it. It still would have been exposed to humidity, thus making it rust. And the animals would have exposed the gun by gnawing their way into the pack. I once had a squirrel gnaw into my backpack overnight because of the food inside. It's very similar terrain. The guy was straight up murdered. The body was stashed on the rancher's property. They either packed him on the mule or a horse on the trail or drove his body around to the rancher's property and stashed him there in the cover of night. They held onto to his belongings through the winter and then planted the thermos, backpack, food, gun, and bow. The sheriff's office found energy drink in the thermos and bought that it stayed out there intact for nine months. What a joke. They wouldn't have known what kind of drink had been in there if it had been out there all winter. Actually, nine months, rains, winds, snowstorms, so frustrating that they didn't do their due diligence to investigate a possible murder.
0: Mm-hmm. All very good points. All very
1: good points. Like, there is n- no way that the thermos would have still been standing on that rock.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a big rock either. No.
1: But was that the actual rock used in the yeah, documentary? Yeah, I don't know if that was we, just Yeah, like we don't know if that was the actual rock.
0: Staged for the documentary yeah. or... Yeah.
1: Yep. Somebody else writes, I think the reason Aaron got so far off the path he was supposed to take is probably because he spotted an elk and followed it. He then probably encountered a private landowner who wasn't very happy to see him.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: What is really odd is that according to the video I watched, Aaron's skeleton was discovered, but he was missing both feet. Maybe whoever killed him decided to remove his feet so he could never trespass on their land ever again. Were the feet removed prior to death?
0: Was it a serial killer, and they're <laughs> like know. symbolically taking his feet? I don't feet? know. But this person—they're ignoring this person, all the yeah. this, this, stuff that happened. This person up is to that. guessing
1: that a private landowner caught Aaron—not
0: his highly suspicious two friends that have lied yeah. throughout this whole—but thing. But this
1: this person is thinking that a landowner killed Aaron because sure. he was hunting illegally on his mm-hmm. property. So, what do you think about the foul play?
0: One hundred percent. Seriously. I do. I don't. I 100 percent think it was fault.
1: I don't. I think the next one is the is the
0: Okay. Theory, I need number, to hear
1: it. theory number two, medical, medical situation. situation. Okay. Somebody writes, quote
0: Holy cow. <laughs> don't look don't
1: <laughs> be looking at my notes. <laughs> oh, we need to come up with a new seating situation. Hmm. Uh, um a quid, a creditor. <laughs> a redditor writes, quote. Holy cow. An acquaintance of mine went up into the Sierras... I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> holy cow. Holy jeez. Holy cow. Jeez Louise. These
0: holy buckets.
1: An acquaintance of mine went up into the Sierras about 10 years ago to dry out. She ended up having a grand mal seizure, and thank goodness her boyfriend is with her to get her hospitalized pronto. Any medical catastrophe can happen if you wean yourself off of booze without mes- medical supervision. His physical and mental health are very important in forming an understanding of what happened to Mr. Hedges. I appreciate the additional information. And then somebody replies, quote, this was my first thought. I'm in recovery from alcoholism and addiction, and let me tell you, cold turkey withdrawal from alcohol is incredibly dangerous, especially considering the amount that Aaron was allegedly drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels a day. Mm -hmm. Alcohol withdrawal, along with benzos, is the only type of withdrawal that can and will kill you. The thought of a physically dependent alcoholic going out into bad weather on his own to dry out cold turkey is almost a perfect recipe for tragedy, and I I, I get that. I think that from what I read, he was on he had medication to wean himself off of drinking, but mm-hmm. his prescription was found with his belongings at that camp at the when they found all of his stuff. But his doctor said that by that point, he should have been out of his prescription. Okay. So now you're going through the fact that you might not be taking the right amount of your prescription to curb your drinking and your drinking. So things are like really...
0: I'd like to know how long the process takes.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Um. But I part of me does by the idea that his intention was to go off on his own and go through his withdrawals on his own. And I really think that's kind of what happened. I think that's why he could see the farmhouse or the ranch. That's why he did not want to get found. I mean, there were so many times that he could have been rescued, you know, quote, unquote. I feel like
0: that former Investigator search and rescue guy made a lot of really good points so that none of those items would have made it that long in the shape that they were. That's true, something that is doesn't true. add up.
1: That is true. But my and why
0: were his friends being so deceptive? Because
1: I think they were hunting on private property and I think they didn't want to get caught for that. I they later I don't know if I wrote it in here, but they later admitted that they were poaching basically, mm. you know. So I think that's why but you're right like like that stuff should not have been in that condition after being out there in a harsh mm-hmm. montana winter but that this was where i went this is where my mind went that it was a medical situation because he was out there trying to get off of alcohol and with the medication being out and we don't know if he was taking his medication still for because i believe i don't know because I was always under the assumption what the medicine does is it makes you physically ill if you drink alcohol. Mm, and that's no what makes you stop drinking alcohol. Hmm. But it sounds like he was a hot mess when they went out there, that he was belligerent. Um, he
0: would have been feeling physically ill anyway.
1: <laughs> uh, from something I read, I don't remember what it was here, Like somebody left him a voicemail. One of his two friends left him a voicemail. Or he like, called him and they told him to like, call back when he sobered up. So he was not in a good place when he was out there Mm -hmm. between the drinking and the trying to stop drinking. My, my opinion is that he went off on his own to try to get off of alcohol. That's why, even though he could see the ranch, he didn't go there because he was not in a life or death situation at the time. It, It was not storming yet at the time. I think he went to that location to go through the withdrawals and something happened. I don't know if he had a seizure, I don't know, you know, I don't know, but that was, that was where I went with this is that it was a medical situation. Theory number three, suicide. Somebody on Reddit writes, Aaron Hedges was dealing with a lot. I hate to say it, but by the time people notice someone is suicidal, they've usually been in that mental headspace for a while. Between the withdrawals and side effects, there are any number of physical manifestations and issues that made this trip a bad idea. Add in the mental and emotional burdens that this man was carrying in solitude with a weapon, you just get a recipe for disaster. I wouldn't say someone who would spend time walking and trying to survive in the woods, only to succumb to the elements later on after leaving his bow and gun far away, would scream suicide to me. If he was found dead anywhere near his gun and the cause of death was undetermined, then I might be inclined to agree with they you. They
0: found his skull, though.
1: Yeah, but you would be able to tell by the skull if he if they, shot himself. Yeah, totally. But that's what I mean. That's the thing is like if you're go- if you're going to commit suicide, are you going to do it by just exposure? You know, you would once you assume you that have you gun. have a gun, <laughs> right? You know, you he had the prescription; he could have overdosed. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't think suicide it was suicide, right, but no. I can see it people thinking that. Uh, theory number four: elements. Somebody read it writes, quote, I feel like it was hypothermia psychosis. There are reports of people doing weird things like taking off their shoes and their clothes in the middle of winter when the severity of hypothermia becomes real. At some point, your body tricks itself into being hot. Sometimes they are found close to a road but were delirious and couldn't find their way. And then somebody replies, it's paradoxical undressing. As your skin starts to die from cold exposure, the body opens all the surface blood vessels in an attempt to save the tissues. This leads to the last of your warmth in your core to flood the surface vessels, making you feel hot. Therefore, people undress, finally finishing themselves off.
0: I've never actually heard the like physiological explanation for that. Like what's happening with your cells. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: And then somebody else writes, I am very familiar with the area. Calling that terrain rough is like calling Mount Everest a hike. <laughs> there is no way in hell Hedges got to where they found a body other than his own two feet. The nurse's theory about withdrawal coupled with with exposure is very, very likely. And the thing is they found his boots, but elk hunters and like hunters like that generally have another pair of shoes always with them. Mm -hmm. One of the theories about finding his boots was that at that point he had spotted an elk and took his boots off and put sneakers on. In an attempt to be quiet to get to the elk and that he was following the elk and either got lost or didn't manage to make it back to his stuff. Hmm. So his boots being found were, were was not necessarily a missing 411 weirdness. He probably like had other shoes with him. For some reason, he left his boots there, but it wasn't that he was walking bare feet on mm-hmm. shale and all this other stuff that was out there. He probably had other shoes with him.
0: That makes sense.
1: So I don't think there is anything mysterious about the boots being found. I don't enough.
0: either. No. It is, I, I guess, why did he leave them there? But like you said, just He novelty. might have spotted an yeah. elk in
1: the distance and then took them off and meant put on to sneakers to, to be quiet and meant to go back and just for some reason didn't. So I just don't find anything mysterious about his boots being found. Um, The stuff about them not being there the first time and then finding them later, people suggest that it might have been because of the storm. They might have been under the snow Mm. when they looked the first time, and then enough snow melted that they were able to find them again. Mm. So I feel like there's nothing... Really, with the boots.
0: Again, I don't know if the pictures of, of what they showed in the documentary were just staged for the documentary. That's what I wish. there I, was no snow. That's
1: what I wish. I, I wish there yeah. were actual photographs of the thermos on the rock right. or the boots on the trail. Yeah. And the last theory, weirdness. <laughs> Somebody just writes on Reddit... Considering what we have to work with, I think he did remove his boots at that small camp he made and then he died of hypothermia. At that point, he may have been carried by someone or something to the farther location where that same someone or something deliberately placed his backpack. If I were a Bigfoot believer, and I'm not saying I'm not, I would argue that one of them stumbled across his body and realized it would result in more humans coming to look for him. So the squatch carried him further away, closer to civilization, where his body was laid and his backpack placed, where it would surely be found. Thus, keeping folks from looking for him deeper in the woods and disturbing the other squatches.
0: As much as I love that theory, (laughs) I'm gonna poo poo all over it. Finding a sasquatch? No.
1: Yeah. So that's what I got. What do you think?
0: i just i feel like there's enough suspicious i get that they were poaching that's why part of me thinks did he find out what they were doing or that they did that i think
1: he was just i think he was i think he wouldn't have been someone to not i think he would have been fine shooting an elk on someone's private property too
2: we don't know i don't think they're gonna
1: kill him for fear of being caught poaching i really don't
0: or maybe there was he he died on accident and they wanted to cover that, it up. That
1: I could one hundred percent see that maybe he did. My my theory, the one that I buy is that it was a medical situation that he was trying to go cold turkey off the alcohol and something happened.
2: I
0: just think it's really convenient that there was such a gap in time between yeah. when they told anybody yeah. that gave them a lot of time to yeah. do anything with his things yeah. or his body. Yep. If they, needed I mean, maybe to.
1: both of ours. Maybe both of ours are right. Maybe he did die from a seizure during trying mm-hmm. to dry dry. And they panicked up, because and they they're panicked, poaching and they panicked and didn't know what to do. So I it, I just lean towards that it was. The majority of his death was because of him trying to get off of alcohol and go cold turkey out there. Yeah, I think if it's that's a what he was trying to do.
0: I think what struck me again is there was something in the documentary about part of some of his remains were partially buried. But they said that, that just... could have been
1: a because a bear found him. If a bear found him, a bear would maybe bury his remains. Would it? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. That was the theory I read that it was a bear that actually buried him mm-hmm. after finding I think his that body. actually
0: explains why his feet are missing. I think so too. An animal would. I think so too. Take those. His skull was
1: found. His skull was found under like a dead pine tree. Mm -hmm. So was it exposure? Was was, but it doesn't make sense because where he was found, there was he was so close. He knew where the ranch was because his stuff was positioned there. So I don't know. Like it's still a really
0: shouldn't be in the shape that they were in, given how long they were out and exposed to the elements and the animals. Yeah. I feel like this is another one of those stories where nothing quite fits perfectly. Yeah. Multiple explanations I feel, kind of I fit. I feel like
1: it's a lot like the Trini Gibson story, where mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a mysterious missing four in one story Feels until you like dive follow-play. into it. Yeah. But then once you do dive into it, it's still a mystery, but it's not Bigfoot, paranormal, UFOs, it's not portals. High strangeness. It's still a mystery, but it's like right. a real, like, it, there's no strange. It's a who done it, or a what, happened. or a <laughs> what done it, What's It's not. It's still a strange story, but yeah. there's nothing paranormal. Or, I don't. Co-
0: I don't really consider it missing 411. Actually,
1: no. But when you watch a documentary, you can see why it would be because so much of it doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah. But then once you dive a into lot it, is left there's out. so many other factors that yeah. contribute to what happened. It's just. I still feel it was a medical emergency, something to do with his physical condition that he was in out there.
0: I think it's a combination of that and his poacher friends freaking out and panicking.
1: I don't think you're going to get that much trouble for poaching that you're going to be... I don't know. I definitely don't don't think the two friends killed him. I definitely do not think his friends killed him.
0: I'm on the fence. I
1: think there was a lot of stuff that was done very poorly during this whole outing that snowballed into this whole situation
2: mm-hmm.
1: but
0: but especially if they eventually admitted that they were poaching why wouldn't they just then give him let them have access to photos and texts and gps like yeah they never did that and yeah. to me i don't know that's sus.
1: so there you go <laughs> not I, I again it's still a fascinating mystery totally. but there is nothing remotely paranormal or strange about it agreed something just tragic happened and we don't we'll know we'll never know we'll exactly never know what, what happened, happened but uh, one of the friends did like break down and say they blame blamed themselves yeah. yeah so i i just think i think Fact? that
0: <laughs> <laughs> they should have done more yeah <laughs> Yeah, this but guy they, could they still did, be alive. Yeah. They Unless didn't... he died like accidentally right in the beginning. But then
1: there's sketchy stuff like his arrows being found at the cash site where they exactly. said that he didn't make it. What is it, the point of that? I don't know. I don't know. So there's a whole lot of mysteries there. We're never going to mm-hmm. know what happened, but I do not think it has anything missing 411 paranormal-ish nope. about it. Agreed. So there you go. What do you guys think? Um,
0: leave them in the comments below. Leave
1: them in the comments below. Like, <laughs> like. Like, like and smash, sma- that subscribe. smash that subscribe button. I feel like such a weirdo saying that. I know, that. so do I. Um, but still like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. So what do you guys think? What happened with Aaron Hedges? Mm-hmm. I really do think it was a medical situation. I don't think his friends killed him, but there were some poor decisions made all around. Mm-hmm. You know. So again, I had a whole second story, but I didn't want to do it in here because I didn't know how long this was going to go and I'm, I didn't want to be rushed. So anyway, I'm going to, because I knew I pulled the second part out of this, is that going to have to be edited out of the, the episode? Because I'm not going to have time to edit the episode today. Or pause. Is that going to have oh, to be edited out? Oh, I can a do that
0: really quick before I um give it to you. On okay.
1: The... okay. Yeah. yeah, because I'm not going to do the second part that I was going to do. I have a bunch of stories in here from... Reddit, of course, but I'm starting with our listener story that was in our Gmail account that oh, nice. I finally managed to get back into, and I believe it was sent a long time ago. So Hallie, I'm sorry that I did not get... Oops, I think it's Hallie, H-A-L-I-E. Could be Haley, could be Hallie.
2: Hmm.
1: I love that name. Sorry we did not get to it sooner, but she writes, Hey guys, love the podcast. It's my favorite of all the ones I listen to. Thank you as I traveled to and from work. Nice. So my story is, I guess, in the alien category. I'm honestly not sure. I'll tell it and see what y'all think. I was eight or nine years old and sleeping in my parents' floor in the f- bedroom floor for some nights for a sleepover in the summer. So to try to explain, their bed was set back against a wall and the doorway was to the left. So when you laid on the floor and rolled onto your left side, you could see out the doorway and into the hall and into the bathroom directly across from it. The bathroom had a window to outside. Also to add, before I go any further, we did not watch anything creepy, weird, or any sort of paranormal while I was growing up, so I would not have had much context other than kids from school to dream up something like this. Anyways, I was sleeping on mom and dad's floor and had rolled over, just kind of tossing and turning. I had opened my eyes and realized something was at the window. It was a face, but almost completely white and black spaces where I should be. That's so creepy. Not really any sort of features. We live in the woods in Alabama and had no neighbors within a 10-minute walk. I kept blinking and rolled back over, but I couldn't fall back to sleep. It felt like I was being watched. When I rolled back over, it was an owl at the window. I was never really scared, so I didn't wake up mom or dad. I just figured I was dreaming and never mentioned it to anyone. So fast forward to my senior year of high school. I was no longer sleeping on my parents' floor, but my friends and I had watched a movie called The Fourth Kind about alien abductions. That's a good one. In one part of the movie, as as patients are in hypnotherapy remembering an owl face, it turned out to be aliens. I had no thoughts about the thing that I couldn't recall in years, but I had a sudden wave of fear run through me. I stopped the movie and told my friends about it. Of course, everyone was just like, sure. What a coincidence, you are just remembering it now. I assumed they were right, and I shook off the feeling. The next month, as one of my friends and I were headed to a football game, we stopped the car in the middle of the road because there was something standing in the middle of the road. To this day, my friend can vouch for me. A white owl was standing there in the middle of the road staring down my car. White owls are not something that live in Alabama. My friend was like, how does this happen? It finally flew off after several minutes. I have watched the movie and researched it, and it's a found footage movie, but not based on actual events. What are the odds that I had some sort of dream or experience 10 years ago that happens to be in a movie? Never have had any other sort of weird stuff around my parents' house. Thought you guys would like to hear it and possibly get your take from Hallie in North Alabama.
0: It's interesting that she's associating it only with that movie because that's maybe her only reference point, but owls have the, yeah, been associated with alien encounters like, for a uh, long they time. They call
1: it, what do they call it? A screen memory. They call it, a lot of people believe that when you are abducted by aliens, they put in a screen memory mm. where you're either being taken by doctors or owls. Owls constantly show up mm-hmm. as screen memories of alien abduction. So, I I'm fascinated like owls are one of my favorite animals, so I'm always fascinated by owl stories, but the whole owl looking in through the window. That's creepy. Like I've I think I've mentioned it on here before. I have this weird memory of when I was a kid, like really young kid, in the in a room at my parents' house the same room where i saw the green guy
2: mm.
1: where i was trying to sleep and a female voice was whispering my name outside the window oh yeah i remember and that and in my mind it's an owl hmm. like it was an owl hooting so it's like was so that creepy. was that a screen memory that was i abducted Maybe. and that's a screen memory because i have no reason why i should think it's an owl but even back then i remember thinking in it was mind. an owl hooting mm. So, yeah, owls are very, very, very much associated. associated with aliens. So, Hallie, maybe you did see an alien. Mm-hmm. I 100% would not discount that. So, thank I, you for same. sharing that with us.
0: Yeah, we don't get a lot of alien stories. No.
1: And here are a couple of random Reddit stories I threw in here to pad this episode out. <laughs> Redditor writes, quote, I live in Northeast Ohio and have been trying to incorporate nature into my life more often. A couple of weeks ago, three of my friends and myself visited a local metro park. It was the best day of my summer. We did outlandish exploring, and quickly it turned from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. As we noticed daylight was running out, we started heading back to our car. We had roughly an hour and a half of sunlight left and a little over a mile to walk out of the woods. As our group started to head back, I took my friend Jeff aside to take some pictures of myself in front of a beautiful giant rock formation. When we started to follow my other two friends again, they were already a good 300 yards ahead of us on the trail. As we were walking, it was slowly getting darker and darker, and out of nowhere, an extremely foul odor of burning hair hit me. My friends smoked, so I figured someone accidentally burned some arm or facial hair or something silly, but as I caught up to my other two friends, they were talking about the same random pungent smell. Roughly 500 yards farther down the path, there is a nearby pavilion with a couple picnic tables and campfires set up. Well, there were a couple people there having a cookout. I didn't pay a lot of attention to them, so I can't remember a lot of detail, but I do recall that they were all wearing black. As we walked past them, it was clear the smell of burning hair was coming from whatever they were cooking. I shrugged it off as nothing. We walked for another good half mile or so before the really weird stuff happens. Something I have always been able to pride myself on is my amazing judge of character, and I have incredibly accurate gut feelings about people and scenarios. It's hard to explain. Like, I pick up good and bad vibes very well, like an empath. Mm -hmm. Anyways, as we approached the bend on the trail, I could make out three figures, all dressed similar, all with the same height, and and all female within the same age. Before we were even within distance of them to make out their faces, I was crawling out of my skin. It was like without even meeting them, I could tell we were not the same. They were cut from a different fabric. The three of them stood on the trail and talked as we passed them. I could not make out a single word they said, and for whatever reason, it was almost as if they were talking in a foreign language. That creeps me out yeah, so much. Yeah, creepy. The second we walked past them, the word witch was all I could think about. As soon as I turned to my friends to say something about how weird the women were, I noticed a girl off of the trail to the left of us about 5 to 10 feet in the woods just standing there. She was also dressed all in black. Less than 10 yards down the trail were a couple more people also off the trail standing in the woods just staring across the trail. That's so creepy. None of these people acknowledged my group of friends, each other, the three females, or anything. They just stood there in complete silence. On the opposite side of the trail of these people, I could see an opening separated from the trail by roughly 10 yards of trees. In the middle of this opening was a blanket with candles on it burning in the shape of a pentagram. I saw this and started freaking out. I grabbed a huge rock and started jogging down the trail. Every 10 yards, there were people standing and staring at the pentagram, speechless and non-interacting. The trail veers left and there are about 200 yards before exiting the woods And as we passed the bend in the trail, we passed someone walking the opposite way on the path into the woods. He made no eye contact and just walked right by us wearing black. I watched him walk by ready to defend myself and as soon as he passed the last person in our group, he stopped dead in his tracks. Stood still for about 10 seconds, turned directly left and walked brutishly through some thicket off the trail into the woods and just stood and stared at the pentagram. I have no idea what I walked through that day. It was probably nothing more than a couple people and a huge misunderstanding. But the way they walked into the woods off the trail like that, it seemed like they were almost possessed. And it reminded me in the other stories of this thread of people walking off trails and getting abducted. Hmm. That's so creepy. Feels like they uh, interrupted some sort of ritual. Ritual. Hmm. Creepy. Very creepy. Next one. Redditor writes, quote, I was camping in Lake Tahoe with my family when I was 18. I stepped away from our camp for a few minutes to try to take a picture of this odd looking pine tree. It had all the branches shaved off clean on one side. I followed the trail but couldn't find the enormous tree that I was sure had been there. I walked back and couldn't find the camp. Mind you, I was still on the trail. It was either walking in one direction or another and we were camping right by it in a clearing that was in no way hidden. I walked back and forth for about 20 minutes and couldn't find anything remotely familiar. I had maybe walked a yard in either direction trying to find either the camp or anything that led me to it. I even took to yelling to get my dad's attention, but nothing happened. So I figured I'd return to my original starting point, the one I had left from after not finding the tree. To wait it out until my dad came for me, but I couldn't find that either. It just seemed as if I was walking through invisible portals that kept setting me on different parts of the trail. After about 10 minutes of following this trail back and forth and ending nowhere, a little bit of panic set in. Then I noticed that the woods had become stupidly silent. Not quiet, but silent and muffled like I was wearing earbuds. Then I heard the ocean. Not sounds of water, but the actual thunder of big oceanic waves crashing against rocks. Only that sound and nothing more. Finally, I panicked and just booked it the opposite direction. After a few minutes of running, I found myself in a familiar spot, Then I made my way back to camp. To me, the whole ordeal seemed to take about 30 or 40 minutes. My dad, when I got back to camp, told me I had been gone three hours Whoa. and that he had himself walked after me and could not find me. That's crazy. That's so weird. There's something about that I find super disquieting about the, thoun- the sound of the waves hitting the rocks when you're nowhere near. You know
0: what I thought of, though? Have you ever had a panic attack or an anxiety attack? Oh, yeah. Attack? Yes. yes. The sound does get and a little muffled. the ruffled. rushing sound in your ears. You're hearing yes. your own heartbeat. Yeah. Like that could have just been a panic attack, but all the stuff leading up to it.
1: Yeah. But the fact that the dad had gone and that that they were missing time. There's something weird about that. Mm -hmm. Don't like it. Don't want to experience it. No. The next one, and this one is a short one, but I'm fascinated by stuff like this. The person writes, When I was about sixteen or seventeen, my friends and I got invited to a party in the woods off a dirt road near an old abandoned farmhouse. It's dark by the time we get there. We pull up and we see multiple cars. We park and walk up to the party, but no one is there. There's a big bonfire going with logs all around it for sitting. Like I said, tons of cars were there. We walk around for a little bit around the abandoned farmhouse. We walk a little bit into the woods, but we cannot find or hear anyone, so we just left. We went for a ride and went back to the party about a half hour later. We got there again, and now everyone is sitting around the fire, laughing, talking, and having a good time. We asked another friend who had been there, where was everyone? She said, what are you talking about? We've always been here. We said, no, we came about half an hour ago. Everyone's cars were here, but we couldn't find anyone. She looked at us like we were crazy, and she said we were all sitting here around the fire. None of us left. To me, that's so
2: weird. So
0: did the people sitting around the fire see them?
1: No, That's weird. No, it's it's like the it's like a weird time glitch thing where they got there, nobody was there. They went back and everybody was there, and they're like, "No, we were here the entire time."
0: Very strange.
1: So that's super strange. I love stories like that. Mm -hmm. Somebody else writes quote I live in the backwoods of southern of southwestern Virginia. At night around 2 to 4 a.m., I can hear old music coming from the woods when I go out for a smoke. It doesn't matter if it's the dead of winter or middle of summer. I always hear it coming from the woods from the backyard. It's so scary and weird because I asked my little brother about it one day because I know he sneaks outside sometimes at night too, and his eyes got all wide, and he told me he hears the same thing when he's outside. One day I was telling my best friend about it who lives about 8 minutes down the ridge from me, and she said she hears the same music coming from the woods at night too. It's been about three years, and each and every night I go outside, the music plays. It's always older, 70s-type country and sometimes rock. I could understand if it was summertime only and it was just some kids partying in the woods, but hearing it in the winter is very odd. Who would be out in the woods at 3 a.m. with a radio trudging through two feet of snow?
0: It'd be way creepier if it were like music from the 1920s or something. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> but it's so weird to me it that this weird. music's
1: coming from the woods, 3 o'clock yeah. in the morning.
0: Sound carries strange... So maybe you know but, there's an explanation for it, but it is weird. They should go investigate and get back to us.
1: I don't know if I would have the guts to go no. <laughs> investigate that.
0: It's summer, is it maybe? only at night?
1: Yeah, it's at, hmm. it's two to four a.m. Hmm. that they hear it. So it's weird. Like I don't know, don't know what to tell you about that one. Next story. Um, this person writes. I don't know if this is an almost missing 411 story or not, but I've lived in California my entire life, and I used to go camping a lot. One particular time sticks out to me, though. I was around 15 or 16 at the time, and my best friend since kindergarten invited me to go camping with him, his father, his sister, and her friend. We went to Bear River, and his father had a spot he always stayed at that was just past the campgrounds. It was a really fun time because no one else seemed to be camping anywhere around the river. We basically had the entire river to ourselves. Even the campgrounds further down the mountain were empty. One night, my friend and I convinced his sister and her friend to play hide-and-seek with us in the woods. It was dark out, we all had flashlights, and agreed agreed on a perimeter that we couldn't go past. My friend drew the smallest straw, and thus, he was it first. While he counted, the three of us split up and hid. I was hid close enough to where I could hear him counting and see his flashlight. I turned off my flashlight and waited. About 10 minutes go by and I can hear my friend calling me by my last name. This wasn't out of the ordinary since we both had the same first name. I look in the direction his voice is coming from and see his flashlight. He somehow managed to get behind me but was still a good distance away. As I watched his flashlight, I start to notice he was past the perimeter. I figured he must have caught the other two already and was giving me the end of the round signal, I guess you could say. I stood up and started to walk towards his light, calling back that I was inside the perimeter, not outside of it. I must have only taken five or six, five or six steps before a heavy hand smacked me on my left shoulder and pulled me behind a bush. It was my best friend, his sister, and her friend were all there looking towards the light. So it's none of them. Mm-hmm. After processing everything for a second too, I asked who was calling me. He said he had no idea since his dad was still at camp. We watched the lone flashlight wander around and then started to get further and further away, still calling me by my last That's name in my buddy's voice. Creepy. <laughs> Once it was far enough away from us, we ran back to camp. Nothing else happened that night and we never found out who it was. A park ranger showed up the next morning to check on us since we were off the trail. We told him what had happened. He didn't seem shocked. He didn't even doubt our story. He just kind of looked past us further up the mountain and said we should be okay as long as we don't wander too far from camp. He also said we need to be stayed paired up when hiking or exploring at night. It's been over 20 years and I still think about this.
0: Well, yeah, there's a creepy mimic thing yeah. that <laughs> wanders the forest at anything night. Just that's stay by mimi- camp.
1: Anything that's mimicking somebody oh, that's automatically creepy. creeps us Especially out. Especially
0: when his friend is right there. Yeah. The, the friend that it was mimicking was right there with him, right? Yeah.
1: That's creepy. Yep.
0: Something knows your name.
1: Yeah. So weird. Mm -mm. Next one. This Redditor writes, quote, so this was told to me by a very good friend of mine some months ago when I was describing missing 411 to him. Sounds like what happened to me in Yosemite that one time, he said. And when I asked him what he meant, he looked shocked that I didn't already know his story. Apparently, it happened when he and a couple other mutual friends went on a camping trip for a few days in the valley. I don't recall where it was exactly, but that they were going up one of the trails and towards a small lake. There were far less people around than they imagined there would be, but I guess they saw another group on the way. The first night was all right, but on the second night, it happened. They had built a small fire and were getting ready to go to bed. It was my buddy's turn to hide the bear canister, so he said he walked down what felt like a few hundred feet and heaved it as far as he could. It rolled down a small hill, however, and he chased after it. But once he reached it and looked around, he couldn't see the fire from camp any Uh longer. He raced back up the hill, but still no sign of the camp. He tried not to panic as he began calling the names of our friends, but got no response. And so began a few hours of walking around in multiple directions in the dark, completely off the trails, looking for the camp. I can't imagine how spooky that must be. Like you just stepped away. Yep.
0: Wow.
1: He said he could have been crossing over the trails, but just couldn't see them because he had left the flashlight in his tent. The moon only broke through the trees in certain spots, so it was pretty dark. But the most unsettling thing was what he thought he heard. As he told it, he had the sense of someone or something walking in his footsteps, maybe 50 yards off from him, sort of keeping pace with him and stopping each time that he stopped to listen. Eventually, the feeling became too much and the panic and exhaustion too great, so he decided to start, in his words, quote, a forest fire. I guess he just heaped a huge pile of sticks together and used as lighter and it rapidly grew into a huge blaze nearly out of control. Sufficiently secure at the top of some sort of small 10-foot drop or so, and with the fire in front of him, he laid down to sleep until daylight. An unknown amount of time later, he began to wake up with what he described as a sensation that a hand had grabbed him by his lower pants leg from over the side of the drop and was slowly pulling him towards the edge. Stop it. He yelled, jumped up with a start, and grabbed a piece of smoldering wood, but didn't see or hear anything. At that point, he quickly started walking away, still feeling like he was being watched or followed. When daybreak arrived, he resumed his shouting and eventually stumbled across a trail. A woman happened to be a short distance up it, and he called out to her saying that he'd been lost. She'd given him some water, and they went to get the rangers. They had or, The rangers had already been informed that he had gone missing during the night and were preparing to search for him when he showed back up. It's hard to say what happened to him. I know how disorienting the forest can be, especially at night without a light, soar, a light source. The paranoid thoughts that might be inspired by being alone in the dark in the wilderness and lost... Also, that the sounds of our footsteps through overgrowth and fallen twigs echoing off nearby trees can sometimes sound Mm. like something else walking alongside us. Sure. And we can have all sorts of weird feelings in that space between sleep and wakefulness. But all of these things happening together just feels awfully strange to me. I have often wondered what would have happened to him if he hadn't found a trail and how close he was in the park to some of the other disappearances that have happened there. Just a really bizarre situation for sure. Maybe it was nothing. I'm just glad he didn't end up as a case in one of the missing 411 books.
0: I mean, it could have been an animal touching him while he was sleeping. It
1: could have been, but still, that's creepy.
0: Very, I got the chills yep. at that part. Yep.
1: The next one. This happened when I was much younger, so details may be a little bit shoddy, but honestly, I remember it like it was yesterday. I live in Australia and we don't have much woodlands here besides a few that span on for a couple hundred acres or so, nothing like what Americans have. And when I was younger, I'd get lost in these woods a lot and sometimes even sleep in them for a couple days at most surviving off fish and creek water. I never had any creepy encounters besides this one time. Yo, is this the one I'm thinking of? This is the one I'm thinking of. This one is weird. I was about 10 years old and had, and just like I do at least once every two to three years, I had gotten lost in the woods again. I was completely fine during the day as I had eaten an hour prior to realizing I had no idea where I was supposed to be, so I had the aw crap, here we go again moment <laughs> and decided to walk around and find some sticks to make a little fire. I knew a lot about outdoor survival as my family went camping a lot and I watched videos on YouTube all the time since it interested me and I love the woods. I had set a fire up as it started getting dark and I was about to put out my fire when I saw a small deer on the tree line just nearly out of the range of my fire's light. It was staring at me, which gave me some chills, but I just went, oh, a little deer, and I waved to it. The deer scurried off into a bush behind it and I couldn't see it anymore. Then I heard this really weird noise like twigs snapping and all of a sudden a much larger deer came out of the same bush I just saw the small one jump into. At this point, I knew something was off, so I stood up and stared at the deer as it stared back at me, and I was mentally preparing myself for the idea that the thing was going to charge at me. The deer started walking a bit towards me, and I backed up a little and crouched down, but as the deer kept getting closer and I kept backing up, I looked down and realized that the deer now had a hoof directly in the fire and wasn't reacting to it at all. This creeped me the heck out. I mean, his fur was burning, and it's starting to burn its skin, but the deer was not reacting. I immediately set off bolting, but then I heard it coming behind me. Not really running, but fast enough to keep up with my little legs. I came over this small hill and jumped down into a bush to try to hide from it, and that's when it's happened, the scariest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I remember it so vividly. The deer silhouette against the moonlight appeared, and as I stared, the deer let out this blood-curdling call that I've never heard from another animal before, and all of a sudden, the silhouette of the deer started caving in on itself. I could hear its bones snapping and flesh ripping, and this thing just kept getting smaller, and then suddenly it got much bigger and I closed my eyes because I just couldn't watch it anymore. When I opened my eyes, there was a man standing where the deer stood, or at least the silhouette of a man. He was looking around and then started calling out in this creepy, almost distorted voice, hello, hello, Mm-mm. and he repeated this for about 10 minutes while I just stood there in silence refusing to answer whatever the heck just stood a couple meters above me. The man then just walked off into the trees and I heard that same awful snapping noise before it eventually faded away. <laughs> it's so creepy.
0: Sounds like a skinwalker.
1: I didn't sleep that night. I stayed in the bush the rest of the night terrified that this thing could still be lurking around the area waiting for me to appear again. Once the morning came, I walked in a straight line until I reached a road I recognized, and then I ran home. I didn't tell my family about it, as I feared I wouldn't be taken seriously, but I was still terrified. I haven't been in the woods since that day, and I always stay home when my family went camping. I'm 21 now. That incident was 10 to 11 years ago, and I still remember that silhouette and the noise of the bones snapping. I've done tons of research, and my only conclusion to what happened is that I narrowly escaped a skinwalker. Mm. I'm tearing up from fear as I write this, remembering that horrific night. I hope you all enjoyed my retelling, and if anyone has any explanation on what this could have been, please tell me. So creepy. Yeah, that's, that's really creepy. That one, just that the one. The
0: bone snapping. Yeah, Ooh. and then the the voice saying hello. hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't mind me. I'm not a deer anymore. I don't
1: want to run into that ever. No. And our last story, I just think this one is really cool. It's not super creepy, but I just find this one fascinating. Redditor writes, quote, "...when I went to college, I befriended a professor of mathematics. He was one of the most intelligent, eloquent, and articulate people that I've ever known. A remarkable family man who married in his 20s with a daughter and a son. He never drank or smoked, never did drugs, or permitted himself to even curse, raise his voice, or become aggressive even in disagreements." He was always in control, always punctual and on time, and always very organized and very disciplined. And he wore clothing that would not look out of place at the turn of the 20th century and acted like a true gentleman. I'm just telling you what kind of guy he was. Not a crazy man, not a junkie, no mental illnesses. I don't know if I'd call this a pleasure. I had the pleasure of taking advanced algebra, (laughs) calculus one, calculus two, and differential equations with him. Yeah. Anyway, we had this STEM club room in the math department where we students just hung out and studied and chit-chatted. And sometimes our professor would join us for help with tutoring, homework, exam study help, and just discussions about various unrelated topics. One day he told us a story about when he saw something strange in the woods. This happened during the 90s when he was a teenager. He lived in Quincy, California during that time. He had a hobby of driving his dad's old beat-up pickup truck all over the Sierra Nevada mountains just for exploring and also for hunting animals and gathering wild berries. He liked following old mining roads and seeing where they went. One such time, he was out looking for blackberries to pick. It was getting late and the sun had set, so he was driving down this narrow road when he saw that there was an obstruction in the road. He said it looked like someone had stretched a giant plastic bag across the road. He thought it might have been construction work or something. As he drove up to what he thought was a plastic bag stretched across the road, he stopped his vehicle within like 40 feet of it and realized it was not a plastic bag. It was like some kind of screen or curtain, a two-dimensional flat shape stretching over the road perpendicular to it, and it was a rectangular shape with the width of the road and about 1.5 times in its height. He also saw that it was translucent, like some kind of hologram. It was like semi-transparent because when he shines his flashlight through the rectangle, the light penetrated through it, illuminating the road past it. But just barely, like the light only went for a foot or two beyond that screen. It was just standing or floating there, not attached to anything. It held its own weight, but it was like weightless at the same time, and its surface was like wavely or ripping rippling. That's so weird. The professor got out of the car to investigate the strange floating rectangle. He walked right up to it, and as he did, he said it was like it was emitting a vibration or low humming that he could feel in his bones. Hmm. There was an effect that the closer he got to the rectangle, the stronger the vibration was on the objects around it, and as he got close to it, he saw the hair on his arms standing up like there was some kind of energy in the air, and there were dense trees on either side of the road, so he couldn't go around the rectangle that was in the middle of the road. He went up to the trees and broke off a branch. He then poked a branch into this rectangle, and he saw saw subtle ripples going up and down through the rectangle from the place where he had touched the surface, and he stuck the stick all the way into the rectangle, and there was no resistance, but he did not see the stick coming through the other side of the rectangle. It was like it disappeared or became invisible, and then he pulled the stick out, and the stick was completely unchanged, not burned or deformed. Not knowing what this thing was, he went back to his car, continually looking at the rectangle, He sure didn't want to risk driving through the rectangle, so he drove his car in reverse until the road became wide enough to turn around and head back to where he came from. To this day, he doesn't know what it was. He said it looked like a two-dimensional shape, like a semi-transparent rectangle stretched across the road, perpendicular to the surface of the road. He didn't even know how it was possible for a two-dimensional shape to be floating there like that, but he saw it with his own eyes. I don't know if he ever went back there to find out. He didn't elaborate. He didn't say where exactly this was. This was just when we were chatting in the club room after 6 p.m. doing homework or just resting and eating snacks. And I never got back into touch with him after graduating, moving out of that college town, and then the pandemic hit. I don't know, but I suspect it's one of the things that pushed him maybe to become a professor of mathematics, seeing this weird rectangle in the middle of the road. That's not something that happens every day now, is it? Anyway, that's all I know. So there you go. It sounds like a portal. It's, it's like a portal. It sounds like it sounds like a portal that that was You should was, have gone through it. I'm I just don't, kidding. It's just I I'm never, just kidding. Never in a million years would have gone through that. No, no,
0: no, no.
1: So there are just some fun stories for you guys to close this one out. And we have my song choice for this episode. Do you have any questions? We do. Okay. After the song choice. Sweet. Um my song pick for this episode is the song Remember When from the band Wallows, W-A-L-L-O-W-S. And I only know this song because it is in the trailer for the movie that I talk about on here all the time that I absolutely love called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Mm. Again, if you want to watch a good movie, it's on Amazon Prime. It's super cute. I'm a sucker for time loop movies where people keep reliving the same day over and over, and that's what this is. Super cute movie, and I love the trailer for it, and this song is in the trailer. Uh, some of the YouTube comments for this song, somebody writes, quote, I have an obsession with this song. It's such a late-night car ride vibe. Somebody else writes, quote, The song makes me feel like I want to run through an empty but colorful city at night. I want to sneak out with my friends when everyone's asleep. Somebody else writes, quote, this song makes me feel like I can just lay down and let the future play out by itself instead of trying to control it because I know it'll turn out fine at the end. Somebody else writes, quote, this song makes me feel like going really fast in a car with my best friends from ninth grade while screaming at the top of our lungs. Just having fun like we used to in in 2019. Now it's 2023 and we all graduated. We've grown apart, but I loved every moment I spent with them. I hope I never forget them and this song. And then somebody else writes, quote, this gives me such weird melancholic nostalgia, like a repressed memory resurfacing. It's so beautiful. So I love this song. It is by the band Wallows, and it is the song Remember When. And I will post the video in the group. And a listener question we have from this time. We've mentioned this on the show. Uh, They write, quote, I know you guys have mentioned this in episodes, but I can't remember what you said. My question is... Do you guys ever go back and re-listen to old episodes of your podcast? I can see Krista out of the corner of my eye, and my answer is the same: no.
0: No, it's too cringy. <laughs> I hate hearing myself. Like, I don't I'm even like, edit. Oh. I don't
1: even edit the episodes anymore. But when I did, that was the last time that I listened to the episodes. I do not go back and listen to the old episodes.
0: I used to. Uh, listen I don't know if I think them. it's
1: cringy. I do. But For me. I was thinking about this on the drive down here. I do a lot of my thinking about the questions on the drive down here. Actually, you get an advantage. And it's it's like, it's weird to me. Like I think about, uh, like like my student Brenna that has listened to all the episodes now. It's weird to me when you think that's like, I associate it with like those animate, like when you flip the pages mm. and you do like the little cartoon, mm-hmm. like. The, Like you're listening to the last five years of our life Mm -hmm. in like a condensed format. And it's weird to me, like driving down here, I'm thinking about when we started this, we were at the old school Mm -hmm. and I was probably talking about my job at the factory at the time. The
0: other factory. At
1: the other factory. And then you hear me talking about getting laid off during COVID. And then you hear me talking about being scared about working at a middle school. And Mm -hmm. then you hear about how much I love the middle school. And I feel like, and this sounds depressing and I don't mean it to, but back when we started, I feel like I was in such a better place mentally and physically in my life. Mm. And it's almost like a weird nostalgia looking back at when we were at the old school doing the podcast. We always say it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it's been five or six years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? So I just think it's I think it's cool too that it's kind of like almost an immortality that I know that. Some of our, I think a lot of our episodes are on the internet archive where you and I are like, these are going to be out there. Like after we're gone, mm-hmm. these are still going to be out there. You know what I'm thinking about? Like if I die, like people can still come and listen to this and hear my voice, which is weird. Yeah, You know, but do I go back and listen to them? No, I'm glad they're there because it is like a little collection of our lives over the last it's a little time capsule of our lives and that's one of the reasons i love our titillating 20 is because maybe someday i will go back and i'll be like holy cow i forgot i even did what i was talking about in that titillating 20 so i don't go back and listen to them but i'm super thankful that our old episodes are still there
0: i so when we were first recording maybe the first few seasons every time an episode was released i would listen to the edited released episode yeah and i it just got i don't know, i just I'm way, way, way too um critical? hard on myself and yeah. <laughs> critical, and i I would find myself cringing at everything I said and like, oh, I sound like such an idiot or Oh, I can't believe I said that. So I just stopped listening and, and now I, I don't care. 100% anymore.
1: don't blame me because I feel like that way when I'm actually saying the words. I'm like, <laughs> why am I saying that? Why
0: did I say that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, neither of us go back and nope. listen to our old episodes, but we're thankful that you guys do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When we go on winter break, a lot of people start binging old episodes. Yeah. It's so flattering that anyone would want to hear us talk about Maura Murray and burritos more than once. <laughs> Steak burritos. Oh, yeah. that'll always be a classic. Mm-hmm. classic. So I think that's it for this
1: episode. Yeah. I think that's all we got.
0: We had 2 hours and 18 minutes. Oh,
1: that's like a regular
0: length.
1: Yeah. God, I we would not have time for my second story. There is no way.
0: Thank you again Jeremy for the and gifts. And Easton, thank you guys
1: so yes, much for our you. awesome prints. They will be up on our wall. Krista and Jim are going to redo you for the um yeah, for taste the... test. Oh.
0: We're going to finish those yep. between episodes cuz I'm Here starving.
1: Jim might like those. So thank you guys He's so not much. Get any. Oh. <laughs> we will not tell them. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we love you guys. We, we love do. that you care about this. And, and if you're you know, when still I talk...
0: watching this video, wow, yeah. you're a trooper. Yeah.
1: When I talk about depression and anxiety and all that stuff, like just know that like doing this podcast is one of the best things in my life. Seriously, yeah. Like love that you guys care about us and that you guys love listening to us. Even the ones that post comments and yell at us for the first twenty minutes being unfunny banter
0: some people love that part
1: (laughs) some people do love that part and that's who we do the podcast for yep so we love you guys thank you so much for listening and we will be back in two weeks with the season finale crazy you guys love them we love them Corey, my brother will be joining us yeah and excited i think that's it so from the strange seller until next time we love you guys and until then stay stay strange.
2: strange